Hello there, my friends. So happy you're here. Dollywood, the podcast, episode one. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I'm so incredibly excited to release this, not just because it is the first episode, but really it was just a great conversation. Um, I was fortunate enough to have the lovely, amazing, and talented Hollander in the studio. Um, we got to wrap out about her musical journey. Um writing her last record, uh, navigating the COVID storm as a musician and an artist and everything in between. And uh, it was just a great dialogue and it was a great time. And uh, yeah, so I'm really excited for you you all to join us on that. And uh, without further ado, let's get it going. that <laughs> <laughs> all right it's officially live yeah podcast numero uno hell yeah what are we drinking first we're drinking first both of them both of them both of them <laughs> uh what is that this is northern pines sunny vibes Mexican lager. Hi, Yaz. We have to drink it all. Okay. And at least half of it. <laughs> Dolly said that he was going to do two shots for every one of my shots tonight. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> in, my, in my charred glass. Yeah. Yeah. I have a broken glass today. I know. All right, so podcast number one, official, with the lovely Hollander. Yeah, lovely. Who else <laughs> would be number one? Remember that, bitches. <laughs> the answer is no one. Cheers. Don't cut your face. Don't cut my face. My class broke, and so now I have a charred glass, as she likes to call it. I specifically said shard. That is two shots. Yeah, I know. I told you. I almost had it in one. That would have been <laughs> not wise. <laughs> oh, God. I wish it would have happened. Yeah. All right. All right. Yes. So here we are. It is uh, early November. Still 2020. Still 2020. Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Election still unknown. <laughs> COVID still a mystery. Still terrified. Still terrified. Everyone's butthole is puckered right now because <laughs> there's no idea what's happening. But uh, there's a towel. Thank you. Right there if you need it. Um. So speaking of COVID, hmm. how has Hollander been weathering the COVID storm? Um, without sounding like a total jerk, kind of like a boss. Hell yeah. Um, because I think that 
not to take away from the heartbreak and the turmoil that a lot of people are experiencing with loss of family members or dealing with illness themselves or um, loss of jobs as well. Um, I think that during this time, I had a few goals in mind, which is obviously to stay healthy, um, to help my community out, but also just to sit down and write shit. Get to work. I knew that I couldn't play shows, which was fine. It still sucks. <laughs> but I feel like if I can just write during this time and come up with material, yeah. um, then I don't really have an excuse and it doesn't feel like a break. Right. It still feels like right. life is still here. I still have today to be able to do shit. So. Cheers to that. Yeah. <laughs> You've been killing it. Yeah. You've been busy. Yeah, I've been You've sending been you all my songs. I know. So <laughs> many, so many songs. So for those of you who don't know, I had the privilege to work with Hollander uh, from the beginning. Yes. And uh, play on our records. Yes, slay on my records. Uh, help produce from the ashes. Hell yeah. Uh, so that's a little backstory on that. Also, we've known each other. I mean, you were my roommate once. We've known each other for so long. So long. I think it's like. I gotta, ca- I gotta years? carry like I gotta do like carry the one to like yeah. do the math. Yeah. Uh, I think it's been like fourteen yeah. years. Long time. Yeah. I still remember. I remember when you lived with us and you were just starting to play guitar. Oh my God. And we were, you're with, so uh, with Jay and Brian, Brian Bell. Bell. I, I, yeah. It's funny is that it's, it's, his name's Brian Bell, but we all call him Jay. <laughs> when I say we all, I really just probably mean me and Dennis I was probably. Say, I don't yeah. think I ever called no, him Jay. No, I think that we just called him Jay. And what's funny is to this day, I still am just like, oh, Jay. I was trying to think. I was like, wait, who's Jay? Yeah. No, with Bri- with, Brian for Bell. me and Brian Bell, for Brian you, Bell, Jay. Which is, yeah. yeah. It's super funny is to have Brian Bell come up out of nowhere. But Ugh. but I remember totally uh, you starting to play guitar and playing with him and trying to like work on doing the playing yeah. and singing and all that. He taught me the G chord. <laughs> So, Thank you. Yeah. My favorite chord. <laughs> it's favorite chord. <laughs> God, so many places that I could go with that. <laughs> You're listening. <laughs> Shout out to you. Uh, G, G unit represent. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's been a long road since then. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for lasting and not running for the hills like 90% <laughs> of my friends. I mean, I feel like there may have been times where I ducked in the hills for a while. Rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs> a bish cray. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but uh, from the ashes, uh, hold on, let me finish. I got to finish my tequila before I start refilling on, on booze. Don't mess it up. Oh, it's a good burn. Yeah. Um. Well, what's funny is that you had hit me up several times. Mm-hmm. Like a stalker. To help with music. And, uh, wow, I forgot about the charred glass. Uh, and you'd hit me up uh, several times to basically, you're like, hey, I got these ideas. I got, I want to get serious about music. And I, I know that. Well, I don't even know if you know this, but I, have, I remember hearing you tell me about it. I was like, yeah, totally. I totally, absolutely remember exactly what happened. <laughs> well, I was like, yeah, totally. I'm sure you like totally serious about it. 
<laughs> and I was like, well, we'll see. So like, I let you hit me up probably for like six months. You probably. Yeah, like a stalker. Yeah. And then finally I was like, all right, let's sit down. Let's figure it out. And then uh, you, we, I remember we went to LTH mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm serious. I want to get down. I got some stuff. I want to get to work. And I Let's feel like I led go. you on a little bit too because I think I only had two songs. Yeah. Really at that time. Yeah. But I had so many ideas. So many ideas. I this never ending. Yeah. Just closet full of ideas. Yeah. Um, but I remember I think you came to uh one of my shows at a brewery uh in Vista, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Barrel Harbor, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yo, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's when I made you a believer. You did. Yeah. Not really. Because I was not sure. Because I know that I was like, okay, you know, Everyone she has some talks. stuff. Everyone yeah. talks. Well, and at the time I was super busy. So I was like mm-hmm. probably trying to be somewhat protective of my time. Yes. And then, uh, but I remember I went and saw it and I was like, holy shit. And I was like, uh, okay, let's go. And, uh, and we went. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and I remember we got we, to work like real soon after that. It felt yeah, like. yeah, we definitely hit the ground running after that. Yeah, um, I remember we, uh, I remember we went and worked at Nathan James Studio. Yes. Shout out to Oceanside, yeah. Oceanside legend, Fallbrick legend, Oceanside yeah. legend, Nathan James, Nathan James. Yeah, uh, I remember we went and worked with him in his studio and started yeah. kind of trying to hash some stuff out in the early stage, and just I had brought. Uh, who Trevor came in and yep. played on bass. Yep. Um, did we have anyone doing I think electric? It was just us four. I think it was just Nathan, us. Yeah. Oh, and then Nathan you, was trying. Was, was kind of. He was like tracking some stuff on some yeah. guitar too. Yeah. Yeah. And we were not ready. We're not. We were even not close. prepared. And that was kind of in that moment. I was like, oh shit! Like yeah. this, we are not. Yeah. Like, need some work. A lot of work. It was a different dynamic because I'd always been. You know, because this was going to be new landscape for me going into working with you in that capacity, because I'd always worked in the studio with bands that I was a part of. And we had started and written songs and played those songs for a fairly long amount of time. And then we're going into the studio as kind of a reactionary matter to say, hey, we got all these songs that you've been coming to listen to. Now we want to give them to you to actually listen to at home or whatever and so we had them pretty established and worked out and uh and so this was one of the times where you know we came in and there were they were raw like super um i didn't have a lot of direction i didn't know how to think past creating something yeah and then singing to it i didn't know how to get through that and i felt like that's kind of what i learned during right. that process especially yeah well especially when you play as a, a band and you've had people who have contributed to building it mm-hmm. um it's a different process than when you don't have people who have kind of i don't manipulation probably isn't the best term but i've had their stamp on it and ha- they have you know because when you have people who are involved they steer it a direction yeah, based like their on artist interpretation is so different from person to person. Yeah. And yeah. so what happens is that would have been the case, but this wasn't a Hollander band. This was a 
for you. Yeah. And they were your songs. And so um, that was a, for me, this was a rad experience and walking through that with you and, and really dedicating to spending time with you in the songs and f- kind of helping find direction. Yeah. And then figuring out how to articulate that and how to, um, how to musically make that kind of happen and bring those songs to life um, in just a way different way. And then I'm, and with me not being a musician, you know, it's always a joke that drummers aren't actually musicians. They're just happy to play with some, <laughs> but. Rude. Whoever said that is rude. Uh, hey, That's I'm not even nice. mad at it. I'm That's not even not mad at nice. it. Yeah, it's true though. You're the foundation. But, I mean, we make the booty go, but. <laughs> But at the end of the day, though, I mean, so it's like I went in there without, like, I don't play guitar. I, you know, I don't play piano. I just was trying to trust my ear of what I felt sounded right and bounce that off of what I was discerning out of your vision. Yeah. And kind of, and that process, I mean, we could probably talk about that. I'm interested to hear your experience going through. So we moved from... Basically, with Nathan James, we kind of, once we kind of heard the songs, it was great. It was going in a great direction, but we realized that we were not prepared and yeah. that we needed to do some work. Yeah. And um, and then we went and worked with Tommy. Um, shout out to Tommy, uh-huh. one of the homies over at yeah. uh, Cinematic. Yeah. Um, which that became like our home for two years, it felt like. Yeah, it really it two did. Years? It was. It was like almost it was two a years. Long ass time. Yeah. I felt like it was, in some ways, like my second home during those two years. I felt like we were there a lot, spending a lot of time developing. And to me, that was the most priceless time right there. Yeah. In working through these songs, because it taught me that the lens that I view or that I have always viewed the songs in is not always the lens that I need to view it in. And to kind of be willing to switch gears and get uncomfortable with not knowing, like, the position of what the final product is going to be. Yeah. But, like, trusting that to allow these, like, growing pains and to allow it to be uncomfortable because we're not doing a service. We're doing a disservice to the songs if we're trying to please me instead of trying to, like, give our best to the song itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always that's what I feel like yeah. you taught me the most of is to stop looking at the song as the way that I have always right. thought of it because that might be good, but it's not necessarily doing, um, doing the most for the song that maybe it deserves. Right. No, I that was. I feel like that was a journey for us both. On that was like constantly just chasing the songs. Yeah. Um, and trying to see, and there was that where it was times where I couple of the songs I remember because I mean I think as artists and we just get that mentality of I see this this way or and maybe I see it this way just because that's just the way I've done it and it's for just me, yeah. it was just like that's what I was doing so and that's as, how I know it totally and as a gigging musician I feel like because I was only playing with myself for had to have been at least a few years at that Mm -hmm. time only playing by myself for so long playing through these songs knowing okay this is how they go and then getting to the studio and being like no no no, you're gonna change 
time signature on this one. Yeah. And, <laughs> but it ended up being the most genius, brilliant <laughs> idea. Um, and I can't, I feel like the luckiest human to have been able to experience that kind of um, growth spurt. Like that's how it felt to me. It was like well, a breaking down and rebuilding. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, that experience, using like that specific moment too for me was another moment because that was a moment that I realized that you were more dedicated to the sound and the end result than you were to your own pride and ego. And because, I mean, I literally took one of your songs that you played all the time and that you love, and I basically said, hey, I really like that this is how you've been doing it, but we're going to flip it upside down. You're not going to do it completely different. You're going to not do it that way. I'll You're gonna... never forget <laughs> playing the metronome and you counting out six, eight time for me and me being like, wait, do I come in here? It felt like yeah. double dutch. You know, when people are like trying to like do double dutch and they're like trying to time when to come in. Like I I still have never mastered that. Uh, no idea. That's either. Not, yeah. Like the two ropes. Like yeah. I, that's never. Can't. Can't yeah. do it. Can't do it. I yeah. just not gifted like that but that's how it felt it was like trying to know like when to come in like when mm -hmm. do I jump in and um and then finally I think you were like turn let's just turn off like I'm not going to say the time anymore let, just feel it mm -hmm. and that to me is like when it clicked and I was like holy shit we just made a hit like <laughs> it that's literally yeah. how it felt yeah. but it was because I trusted you I think that your vision for music like, you're such a gifted drummer. You're such a gifted drummer, obviously. I mean, everybody in this town wants you yeah, as a drummer. Totally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to preface it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think that, like, even beyond your skills as a drummer, your gift in your ear is, like, one of the most valued things, like, that I see in you is how you're able to just hear things and think outside the box. I think that that's what made, made you such a good producer on this album was thinking outside the box. I thought it was incredible. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think you're crazy, but. Yeah. <laughs> Tell <them> the truth. <laughs> I'm going to take my jacket off. I'm sweating. That's because you got, oh, it's a vest. I was like, you got a sweatshirt. It's a vest. <laughs> but it's oh, yeah. That was definitely like such a pivotal moment i think when when we were uh working on the record i think like that was like a turning point yeah yes i felt like it was totally a turning point um and super eye-opening to like what it could be mm -hmm. um i think i always had faith in you because i kind of felt like i had to like i was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like all, I was, all you had yeah. <laughs> <laughs> felt like i was like going down a hill like with no brakes and I was like well we're in yeah. it and it was the you best up thing on the mic a little bit. oh sorry it right. was the best thing I think to be able to have that um to be able to have that like okay we're we're full in yeah it was like such a risk but the best possible yeah. risk well I think we both kind of went all in at that moment we're like oh and then it's when it, especially when it works yeah it's one of those things I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna be the first to tell you I got ideas <laughs> they ain't all good <laughs> I'm not going to pretend they're all good, but it's great when they work. And yeah. it's so it's one of those things where it's like you throw enough ideas at the wall 
you're gonna end up with enough that stick. Hell yeah. Or every now and then you might get one that stick. And uh that one I was definitely what was that's that? one of my favorite songs Same. for sure. Same. Um but that was yeah, that was uh I feel like I feel like I'm the opposite of how most musicians look at their stuff. Like I feel like sometimes people go through their music and they're like, Oh, I'm over it. Like I still fucking love every single track. Yeah. On that record. Like Rad. every single one. And I feel like, I don't know, I don't, I, the, like the emotional attachment that I have listening to it, I feel like that comes across, not just to me, but I feel like other people feel that, like yeah. how it just, it transcended that moment. Mm. And it like lives in the song. Mm-hmm. What we were able to do was incredible. <laughs> it was the best. <laughs> I can't wait to do it again. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That was a, uh, that was a long trying period. And I, like I said, it was a learning experience for both of us. I mean, that was a new experience for me in particular. In, uh, I mean, there was, I felt for me, there was a lot of weight because there was like this, these are your like songs. And I'm sitting here going like, she's entrusted me to like, see this through. Yep. And if they turn out <laughs> shitty, they would not. That's gonna be on me. They would not. They would not. I wouldn't but. be working. We wouldn't have invested that much time. Oh no, I would have aborted way you, earlier. A hundred percent, you would have. I think that there were a few times where we were like, I don't know if this is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it needed to feel that way. Yeah. And also, I just think that like the stops into Larry like on our way mm-hmm. into the studio was like the best thing that we could have done just yeah. like taking some shots and then going to work yeah that helped a shout lot shout out to Larry's Beach Club yeah Larry's <laughs> I love your bar stools <laughs> they so are comfortable. comfortable yeah I know it's genius I've spent a lot of time in those bar stools because oh, you can't leave you're yeah. too comfortable yeah I'd stay there a lot longer for sure. <laughs> so much fun. Definitely a benefit. Just uh, note to anyone out there, if you are approaching a studio and there is not a bar within walking distance, go to a different go studio. Go to a different studio. It's not the one for yeah. you. And you can bring booze, but it's just not the same. There's something so about different. being able to leave and go, hey, yep. let's go walk 12 feet yeah. and take yeah. a shot and figure it out. Yeah. Well, and stepping out of like one atmosphere – that's like so serious and so much anxiety yeah. and then stepping into another atmosphere, which is like everything we love chaos and mm. the clinking of glass mm. and smells of stale liquor. Mm. Like, everything. So yeah, I was just saying, I was like, <laughs> now I was like, you say like, well, I'm starting to salivate a little bit. I'm kind of like, I'm starting to get jittery. I'm like, let's go. I miss it. No, I That's, miss it. That is one of the things that has been, uh, you know, with COVID such a, busy person in -hmm. terms of I just always been that way I don't know why it's I don't know what it is it's probably some psychological dysfunction (laughs) uh but I've always just been someone who's kept a full plate and um and I also have FOMO (laughs) no way (laughs) so it's like I'm busy but then also I want to go out and do all the extracurriculars (laughs) which by extracurriculars i mean drinking <laughs> and uh covid was such a gnarly slowdown um in the sense of like i think that we talk about all the things that 
our obvious like businesses you know businesses are affected or how like people are making money is being affected and obvious social distance things but man for people who are like used to being with people and like that's i i thrive off that i just love being around people yeah. i could be with no one i know and you're you're still feeling like it's feeding your soul yeah, yeah. and uh that's so you talk about that that's like it's it's been a trip oh, to I miss it so much yeah like how like your feet would stick to the ground <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. some chick <laughs> you... screaming in your ear oh, oh god <laughs> i miss you chick who would scream in my ear <laughs> all the things you just you, you took yeah. for granted all of the things i used to get so annoyed by those bitches they're like i just want another shot like i miss her yeah. i miss I'd buy her. her another shot right I'd buy now her several shots yeah. <laughs> If I hear all the shots. Oh, take me to there. <laughs> I want to go to there. <laughs> I do, though. I, I was, like, low-key worried about, um, like, a lot of us that mm. are in that kind of arena because yeah. I think that – I don't – I mean, no one really knew what to expect with this or how it was going to, like, hit us. Right. Well, I mean, we went into this where it was like, hey, you guys are going to stay at home for two weeks. Oh, I knew it was going to be two like weeks. I knew they were lying. Ago. Eight months ago. I don't it's even like, know how many months ago. 12 years ago. <laughs> 12 years ago, yeah. <laughs> it's like that girl that's like, I'll be ready in five minutes. And then she's not ready for like three hours. Yeah, like, that's every woman that's, ever. Yeah, that's Gavin Newsom. Like, yeah. he did that to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting uh, time navigating yeah. it all. Yeah. But going back to what, you know where we started um, is like, you're someone that I point to people like all the time. Because... <laughs> yeah. You've stayed, you've managed to stay busy and you've managed to like make shit happen. And I feel like so often I'm looking at, so whether it's people that I'm involved, artists I'm involved with playing with or people that I'm booking or like, or just coming in contact with. And so many people are just sitting on their hands and it's been such an interesting and frustrating thing. And, and also like, I have to acknowledge that I'm just not wired that way and yeah. some people are wired differently, but um, I just feel like they're going to lose out on some yeah. insane opportunities because the reality is that opportunities are there, but the people who are going to get them are the people like yourself who are like, I'm going to go make them. Like you kind of have to like make the opportunity. And, um, and so you've found ways to do live streaming, you know, especially at the beginning, you're doing a ton of live streaming. Right, yeah. Um, you're doing that. And then uh, as a band, we did like a live live stream yeah, we did. band together. Yeah. A little plug. That one's yeah. on Spotify. Yeah. Check it out. Check <laughs> it out. Um, and you did that as a band to kind of keep things going. And then, um, but like even so, like the uh, pop-up, gigs at people's homes and like you know just which has been such a cool thing to see as a community like that's been one of the coolest things to see i think so too like watching a community say hey times are really fucking weird right now and we want live music and we know that this is a big thing for you like how do we make this like thing happen yeah. and like kind of adhere to all the stuff and whether or not i don't i'm not going to get into whether or not it's like the whole thing about whether or not there should be live entertainment yeah. or not. Like, yeah. I don't really give a shit, Same. but seeing people as a community come in and say, Hey, I got a driveway yep. and I got a neighborhood who's ready. Yeah. And if you want to come hang out, 
you can hang out in my driveway and we'll make we'll create a social distance environment and you put a tip jar out there and we'll pay whatever the situation is God, and I it's it. it's been so cool to see those things happen and it's things like that where i'm sitting here and i'm looking at how many people are just sitting on their hands and i'm like what are you fucking <laughs> doing right now I think like, that it's I I I see both sides of it. Yeah. And I think that I see both sides of me. it. Well, no, I don't think I'm better. I think I was that person that would just sit in a standstill. Mm. Um and so I I can sympathize with that a little bit more. I think that there's a lot of fear too and fear is something that for me especially in music was something that was really hard for me to get over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then especially when you're like throw an apocalypse into it, like <laughs> it definitely yeah. changes things like significantly. Um, but I'll, I remember we were talking one time, um, I was talking with your wife about this last week, I think a couple weeks ago, but I was talking to her about it. And, um, there was a time where you had said, you were like, I think I was like only playing like maybe once every couple of weeks, I wasn't playing often. Mm. And you were like, look, like if this is something you want to do, like, would you rather be sitting at home doing nothing, knowing it's not furthering your career? Would you rather be like working your ass off knowing that like yeah. every time you play, it progresses you in some way, shape or form. And it just clicked in my head for some reason. And like pre COVID we were doing like sometimes like four to six shows a week and then post covid i was like i can't do that like i can't go down to just nothing and so seeing some of these like um more like famous artists do these like live streams i was like oh shit like this is this is genius this is so smart so i started doing live streams just from my couch and then it got way too hot in my house and i was <laughs> like let's take it outside <laughs> um and so we did and it kind of morphed into those driveway shows. And I'm so grateful because, um, it brought back the things that we love about being in a bar. It brought that back to just being on a driveway mm-hmm. and that sort of that like sense of community and, um, that celebration of just being together, I think was something that we miss. And it, there was social distancing for sure. Like, Everybody would be sitting on their own driveway or like definitely six feet apart. And they were very good about that. Um, But that sense of like community came back again. Um, And it felt like healing to me. I'm sure it felt like that for them just based upon what I've heard. But I felt like it did more work for my soul than maybe it did for theirs. Yeah. Well, I think it's one of those things where, you know, we take for granted sometimes. So when pre pre all of this, when we talk about that and uh, you know, it's those things were just opportunities that were there all the time. And we were able to kind of pick and choose as we want. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I think in these times where you're thirsty, it's like when you're like, you've, you've been in a drought and you're super thirsty. And that one drop is like the most satisfying Yep. And it's like, but when you have a glass full of those drops, you don't think about it yep. all the time because you're like, I could just drink that whenever. And it, I, and I'm never really thirsty because I can just, I'm constantly just 
drinking it. Yeah. But it's like in the situations like that where you're like, everything's been flipped upside down. And the thing that gives me life is kind of been ripped out from under under everyone. And that goes for musicians and artists, but also for consumers, people who mm-hmm. who are just people who love music and just want to be around music and are used to being able to show up and go hear music whenever they want. And um, and I, that's the kind of the feedback I've received from people um, that I've talked to who have been to the driveway shows or who have been to like, um, you know, a couple of spots like Coomber or yeah. uh, the Vineyard 1924 where there's some degree of live music happening and people have all said, they're like, I just need this. Like, yep. um, and they're just hungry and they're thirsty for it. And I, I think it's that much more satisfying. And so I feel like that's probably, I know for me, like, you know, not just being, you know, I talk about just being someone who's out all the time, but most of the time I was out was had to do with either going to go see buddies play or I'm out at shows to go see bands that I, you know, admire and I'm inspired by yeah. uh, being able to go see them play, you know, you know, around wherever. And um, yeah, so I think that that's just been a huge underrepresented mental loss to Agreed. some degree, because that definitely has like a, an effect on your psyche and on your emotional stability, like all those things, totally like, does. especially if you're people who are like, that's, those are the things that give you life. You yeah. Know? Well, and when you're doing it so much, yeah. there was one, um, I spoke to one journalist and she called, um, musicians like, um, musicians and artists alike the silent sufferers during mm-hmm. this time. And that like made me like super emotional. I'm not going to cry right now because <laughs> I'm not going to, but I feel like it's like it's such an interesting thing how um, how like it's it's almost like you can't really talk about how it's been like tough. Like right. I can't even imagine. I feel lucky as a singer songwriter who I could just take my guitar somewhere and plug in and play like on a driveway. But I can't imagine how like maybe you feel because bands are like band shows are very mm-hmm. far and few between. Like how do you feel having not like played in a long time? Yeah, it's been interesting. Honestly, at first, I was fine yeah. because I was doing so much. And the forced break was almost like a sense of relief. It was mm-hmm. like a forced sit down, you know, like to, that you do to like a kid, like when a kid's being rambunctious and you put his little ass in the corner and you're like, you didn't necessarily do anything wrong. Like, you just need to chill. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's kind of how it felt. And it was, like, one of those things that at first I was, like, oh, like, this is kind of cool. Like, you know, not being committed to, you know, 1,500 different things. But over time, yeah, it definitely started to kind of wear. And especially because, you know, I'm involved in so many projects, too, and, you know, and it was, like, some of them were trying to find ways and others are not, and... It was just kind of one of those things where, you know, it was just a weird space. Fortunately, though, like, you know, here where we're at, at, you know, at my studio space, rehearsal space, like, you know, I have a space to come if I wanted want to. I can come play and play along to whatever I want. Truth be told, I honestly haven't done that as much as I should have. Um, there's been a slight degree of 
almost laziness in that in that area where I kind of just and I've almost been like it's okay right now because I know that at some point it's gonna and I'm just that way when I come like yeah. I just am all in on things all the time so I've kind of just been going through a season of letting myself be kind of just whatever well I mean it's 2020 like you're allowed <laughs> like I feel like yeah. there's there's no rule book yeah for how to like experience a pandemic and experience like uh things being shut down the way that yeah. they have and so I feel like if there is a time for you to like not know what to do or to like not be as uh aggressive in like your attempt like now's the time for sure yeah and you're you know at some point too your hands are kind of at least in my position too my hands are kind of tied to yeah. you know well it's kind of just depends on what everyone else in the bands that I'm affiliated with are doing and things like that but um yeah, it's definitely definitely been weird. But it's also been it's been cool in the sense that I've been able like that time I've had to kind of step back from a lot of things and I've been able to kind of just reassess things and things I'm involved in and um and kind of look at them more clearly cuz when you're in the middle of things, you don't you can't really see the big picture. No. Um, and for me, especially like I have like the big pictures, like a puzzle that's just completely fucked up in a box. And it's like, but I'm constantly working as you're putting it together. All these things I'm involved in are all these little miniature puzzles I'm working and I can't really see the big picture of them. I just know that each one I'm do working on is its own little area in that bigger yeah. puzzle that I'm kind of piecing. And yeah. I feel like this time I was able to almost like, reassess and I was able to go back and look at the puzzle box cool. and be like look at it and be like oh this is this is the big picture of everything you know and um and kind of evaluate where I'm at and for me also like this is coming like the whole pandemic thing came in an interesting time too because of where I was at personally and like also with like our business yeah. you know so with our tea company having had the um the coffee and tea shop so you know we had our tea shop in downtown oceanside and like ran like a, a coffee bar essentially and um you know we worked our ass off oh my god yes in that season all the time and it was the gnarliest most hectic most trying crippling season I've ever gone through wow. and it was one of those things though like but you just put your head down you keep going you don't even you don't even know how deep you are because you're like I can't even I can't look to see how far like in the hole I am right now because I just have to keep fucking finding a way to like make up the ground and yeah. that's where we were for years and then uh you know we sold our our lease and our space there and we got our warehouse space and then I was able to build out this kind of the rehearsal and recording space here. And I, you know, and so much of my identity was in that space. And then all of a sudden that's kind of gone and I have the freedom now to go do all these other things. And then just as I have the freedom to kind of just go, Oh my God, I'm, I'm wide open. I can commit to everything. I could go hard in the paint. And then all of a sudden, it's like, just kidding. Damn it! 
<laughs> and then this thing, and it was such like a weird, it was just a weird timed thing. Um, granted, that being said, like, you know, I'm not gonna, it's, I, there's so many people out there that are in like really gnarly situations. And I feel so fortunate and grateful that, um, we're in the position that we are and I've, we've been able to navigate with our business and everything kind of through all of this and find our way. And it's been with a lot of pivoting and a lot of things, but, um, but for me personally, it's been like, it's it kind of forced this weird feeling of almost like an early retirement. I joke about that so Don't much. Don't say that. Don't. Well, I joke about it. Here's my, all right. So here's a, here's my philosophy on this though. I always joke about there. Like people are like Dolly, like, like it feels like you're fucking retired. Like you're, Dolly. like you go golf all the time. You're like, you do. <laughs> I do. You hundred percent do. Yeah, and I'm not getting better, which is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's kind of interesting. I have, and I'm I constantly battling this thing of like feeling that I should be doing something bigger. And I, I always have that kind of sense. But now more than ever, I kind of have this thing where I'm like, I feel like I'm fucking up. Because like for so long, I was so like overwhelmed by that side of the business. And I was over my head all the time. And I was working insane hours and then going and doing all the music stuff on top of it. And I, it's like, and then I go now and I'm like, well, we don't have that. And I've managed to work my way out of um, so much of our business to where, you know, my wife runs a good portion of it. And then the rest of it kind of runs itself between just the processes and employees to where like, I have just no major role. And there's this thing of feeling like, I feel like I should be like, should I go get a job? <laughs> like, should I go like, apply at Costco or something yes you know so it's like one of those where like I'm constant but I'm constantly battling this thing of just feeling like that's what I need to do because I'm such the type of person where like well I need to be doing something I need to find a way but at the end of the day I'm the other side of this is I come to I'm like I when am I ever going to be in the position that I'm in now to have the we have the enough financial stability to where we're not we're not dependent on me having to go make money necessarily like we you know the business um in between you know my wife sustains kind of our personal stuff and um there's enough music stuff going on to where um it kind of covers other of my personal yeah like dumb expenses uh but it's been an interesting place of of just being okay with being like, you know what? I may never get to be in this position again. Mm -hmm. And I have so many friends around me who are, and this is not a diss on that mentality at all. Like I appreciate it and I respect it and I think it's great, but who are working for retirement at, 65 years old which by then probably is going to be more like 70 years old yeah and it's just one of those things where in my head i go well how free are you at 70 like i'm at a spot now where at 34 years old i can do anything yep 
and I and I have I could I could do anything. Yeah. And um yeah, I don't know. I think that's where we're kind of twisted because I feel like that way too. I don't want to live my whole life just to get to one place so I can say I lived my life to get there. Right. Like I I want to live for right now. Like I I really do believe like with every fiber of my being that I'm not promised tomorrow that right. I don't I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what I'm going to be doing next week. Like to me right now is like what matters and I think that's why I feel this like drive to try and make everyday count. And I'm not saying that every day I'm like hustling, but I try. Like I try to do something that will um, make that day count. Um, but I think right now for people like us, where we're so used to just hustling hard. Now we're trying to have to figure out like, how do, how do we pivot mm-hmm. in a time and in a culture like we're in right now? Like, yeah. how do we, how do we make that work? And there's no rule book and there's a shit ton of rules. And so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ari, there's no rule book, but there's, there's a lot a of rules. There's a shit ton yeah. of rules. Yeah. yeah. Rough. It is. Rough. But you're doing this. This is definitely. How did you come upon this? So, I mean, this is it. Doing this podcast was, uh, I feel like it was a long time coming in the sense that it's been something that I've thought about. And then it's also, I've had so many people at different times um, just through conversations or whatever that have brought it up. They're like, dude, you should do a podcast or you should like, you know, so it's always been something that's been in the back of my mind. And I struggled with for a while trying to figure out how or what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. which is going to be kind of funny when I get to <laughs> how I'm actually doing it. But because in my head, because it's just the way I work, is that I was thinking like, oh, yeah, okay, this is great. I could do that. And I started like I have all these notes from probably like two years ago where I started brainstorming like how I would do a podcast. And I had like all these different segments. Like I was fucking NBC News or something. Like, (laughs) oh, I'm going to have like, I'm going to do like New Music Friday and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to do that. And like I had this and I'm going to go through like, and I was just so overthinking it for so long. That you didn't do it. That Yeah, I just was. And in my head I was like, that's, just too much for one it's just too much and in my head i'm like i just was like i don't know that that's really makes sense um and megan and i were on a two-week road trip um where we went through like arizona new mexico colorado um, wyoming montana utah nevada camping and so i mean we covered three thousand miles like 70 hours of driving the pictures were dumb. It was a that was a once in a lifetime kind of experience look for us. Real, yeah, like it was great. real. I every day that you would post or she'd post, I'm like Rob, look, <laughs> like just so in love yeah. with where you guys were. I mean, it it seemed so magical. It was. I mean, I, you know, it's one of those things where you know I've been in Southern California most of my life and. I've traveled to different parts of the country at different times, but 
I'd never like seen that side of the country. And I'm not a sightseer. Like I don't, they like sightseeing doesn't really do anything for me. Like Megan's so opposite. Like for her, like she sees like anywhere we go, she could see like a, the smallest mountain ever. And she's like, Oh my God, the mountain. Ah, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I love it. So and much. <laughs> I'm so not that way. Like, you know, it's like I, we could be at this grandiose thing and I'm like, yeah, totally. <laughs> and it, it's just not what feeds me. Like, yeah people and and experiences in that dynamic are what really feed That's me your thing, yeah. but this was one of those things where just driving and just kind of taking it in and it was just so much of it was breathtaking yeah. and it was such an adventure you know every day was a different day we didn't stay i mean there's only no we didn't stay anywhere really more than one day amazing so it was drive anywhere from three and a half to six hours find a spot you know, set up camp and make, find a way to make dinner, enjoy the spot we had till we were too tired and then we'd go to bed. And then we'd wake up and we'd have breakfast, try to make coffee. And when I say try to make coffee, also I want to know. Yeah, tell us. God. <laughs> so we're bougie as fuck when it comes to coffee. I don't think anyone who knows you is shocked by that statement. I just want to say. Yeah, continue. probably not. So having owned a coffee and tea shop, we have this great espresso machine at home. And we got the bright idea that why don't we bring the espresso machine with us on our journey camping trip? So I bought a fucking generator to power said espresso machine just so we can have bougie ass lattes in the morning out in the middle of nowhere. And after like the second day, the freaking steam wand got clogged or something. And it stopped working. So I just had to lug this espresso no. machine and generator around <laughs> for several other days and drink shithouse coffee before I realized that's what happened. And all I had to do was clean the tip. That was it. That was it. <laughs> clean your tip. Note to self. Clean your tip. Clean your tip. Everyone. Don't get clogged up. Clean your tip. <laughs> anyway. So, going back, <laughs> got me all pumped up. feel like I just had a freaking shot of espresso. <laughs> so, we're on this up. journey, several hours driving, and we started talking about the idea of the podcast. And my wife is such an encourager. She has been, like, she's just one of those people that, you know, when we met and all that, she just was always been the type to say, these are the things that make you who you are. And she pushes me to just do those things. When so often you would expect for your spouse to give you shit or grief because you might be gone three or four nights a week or whatever, the, or you might be gone for a week at a time or whatever the case may be. And she has just always seen it as like, these are the things that make you you. And why would you do anything else? Like I fell in love with you and those are things that make you you. So why would I not promote those things? Such a beautiful story. Which is one of those things that like seems like such a aha, like t duh kind of thing, but it's not. Oh, it's so rare. It's so rare. Oh, it's so rare. Yeah. And but it, it's true. She, 
totally yeah. supports you and totally pushes you to be all things you. Yeah. That's what makes her such a freaking angel. It's crazy. And Love you so much, Meg. Yeah. You're the best. The best. <laughs> but so we we talk about, we started talking about the podcast and we'd, and then what would happen is we'd be driving and I'd be in the middle of Wyoming and be a two hour stretch with, and I would just start thinking like through, well, what could it look like? All the while, also, I'm we're listening to podcasts. So it's kind of one of those things where I kind of had this thing where I started thinking, well, what is it that I am drawn to? Because at the end of the day, like a lot of the things that I end up doing are, I mean, not to say that they're fully selfish, but there's definitely selfishness in them. Like, I'm just being real. Like, if I'm, like... I say this all the time, like it's places where I book music, people are like, oh my God, like the musicians are great. You're like, no fucking shit. Like I'm going to be here drinking. Like I want to hear good shit. Truth. So truth, it's like, I, I'm glad that you enjoy it. But honestly, I just wanted to make sure it was like enjoyable for me. I said this when we opened our coffee shop, like my go-to drink there, I was like, that was my priority. I don't care if everyone else liked it. That was the way I, it had to be the way that I wanted it because I'm going to be the one to drink it. Respect, though. Yeah. Respect. So that's an aside. That's a note. <laughs> Selfish as fuck. So I'm sitting here thinking, like, what are well, what are the things that draw me in? What are the the podcasts and these types of things that I'm drawn to? And um, and they've always been more conversational. And you know, whether it's like Joe Rogan or um, you know, on as far as music, I listen like Chris Shiflett's "Walking the Floor" is a great podcast. Um. And I've always just enjoyed them because they, especially like Rogan, like he just, you're able to dive in much deeper and, um, and dig into things that you wouldn't have thought about talking about. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and like all my favorite interviews. So like, I'm also, you know, we were talking about this on the way over here, like, like going down the YouTube, like rabbit hole <laughs> and like for me, I find myself going down that that kind of hole the most when uh, I'm looking for like interviews. I love hearing uh, people's just perspectives and like why they do what they do, and um, the 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 interviews that I will say that are the, always the like that I love the most are always the ones that are really long extended forms of them. Because it's not someone who showed up with 21 questions to say, well, let me let me cover the basics here. You know, well, let's talk about your new record you just put out. And then that's like, and you're like, well, because if I go click on the next four interviews, they're all going to just be, be the, the same, same thing. Truth. So I always go for like, what's the longest one? And I'll like, what, like when I'm looking for them, I'm like, whatever one's like, if there's something that's over an hour, I'm you like, do? that's my thing. Oh, full. Whoa. <laughs> that's just because I know that there's going to be so much more substance that I'm going to care about. Because it makes you feel like you're a part of the conversation. Right. And I think the thing that does that is when you're, when you see those things, so it's not, when they're asking you like the list of questions, you've already answered these questions 5,000 times. When you're doing something that's like long form and you're just having a conversation and you might be talking about all of those things, but it's in a way that you see the artist or the 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 person um 
you you watch them almost find themselves in the middle of the the conversation because they are having to dig into a space that's outside of the thing that's been already rehearsed that they've answered before and so you're watching them work it out and that process of watching someone work something out and watching the mishaps or the things that like maybe they like it started to come out a way that they weren't intending and watching them correct it and all of those things like for me that tells way more about a person than the, re the regurgitated information that I could have just read in Rolling Stone magazine. That's going to that's gonna change how I listen to every podcast <laughs> from now on. Because you and I, we've talked about uh, the Rick Rubin, yeah. um, like his conversation. Yep. And the one he does with uh, Pharrell in particular. Yep. I was like, oh my gosh, it's, wait, no, 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 no. Oh, God. Uh, I took a shot. You have to another one. <laughs> and I'm watching for it too. <laughs> um and the way that he talks it's like congratulations the way that he talks about it to me is like exactly what you're talking about mm -hmm. because they're not talking about the normal kinds of questions that you would normally hear in a podcast it's like real shit like yeah. stuff that the public doesn't ever really get to hear about oh, i his um uh, what is the name of that podcast again? Broken Record. Broken Record. Yeah. yeah, that podcast is definitely um, Rick Rubin's been is like one of those people that you just hear because yep. he's been on uh, fucking everything, everything that everything that matters, <laughs> and it's one of those things where like hearing those, he's in, so he's definitely one of those ones where obviously when I see someone pop up on there that I know who I'm like really excited like that's great. Yeah. But I spend a lot of time on there regardless of people like, oh, I have no idea who this is. Yeah. But I just his insight and hearing the stories, because a lot of times, um, especially when Rick Rubin's on the actual podcast, because sometimes it's it's not. There's another guy. Yeah. Blanking on his name. Which right is now. great, too. He's but fantastic. But I yeah. love hearing it when it's Rick Rubin and he has some history with them. Oh. And like. Because it goes, and it goes back to that because they'll start talking like the one he did with the Beastie Boys and them talking about like their early years, you know, and hanging out in Rick Rubin's apartment. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 it puts you in a place where like you're looking back and you're, and you're like almost visualizing. Um, and it's just crazy how many people he's been involved with in some yep. capacity and the, the fact that like how many people has been involved with where you're like if i saw you on the street i would never i would never ever associate you never. just out of my own ignorance <laughs> just of like whatever <laughs> but it's been like i would have never put that together like if he, i just saw you so, with somebody with his background you would never think like i i swear i'm like he's always wearing like a t-shirt and shorts all the short, time shorts. short shorts with his hair down and his so giant hippie. ass beard and yeah. i'm like damn like but your roster's killer so funny yeah i mean you listen to that like stuff with uh you know his his interview with uh the beastie boys or his conversation with like wu-tang mm -hmm. and stuff like that and you're just like trip and you're like oh my god you're like dude this guy's had his hands on everything so many good things yeah. and he's so wise that thing i love is a dude just filled with infinite wisdom? Yeah. Um, and and 
yeah. So, but so that's all the kind of stuff that I'm like super drawn drawn to. Um, not comparing myself to I any of those people. I am. But in my head, I would compare you to him. <laughs> yeah, I would, so, and I've told yeah. you that. Okay, totally. She's uh, <laughs> drunk now. <laughs> but not. Yeah. I've told you completely sober yeah. before yeah. that I feel like you're a Rick Rubin in the making. You were high. No, also. I was not high that time. <laughs> that time. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So basically, that's how I end up where I'm at is that I was just working it out like with Megan verbally. And we were talking about all the things and that I look for. And I kind of just had the conclusion that like, why am I trying to overcomplicate something that is really fucking simple? Mm. Is that why is it I even want to do this? Like, I'm like, am I, I'm not trying to build a brand around it. I'm not trying to like, don't get me wrong. All those things are involved in it, but that's not the purpose of it. And I realized for me, like how much more fulfilling it's going to be when my purpose is to sit like I am with across from you and just have a conversation and do what we're doing. Rip shots. Drink yeah. some lovely beer. Yeah. Just talk and see where yeah. it goes. And I love that. Like we were on the way here. You're like, so what are we going to talk about? Like, <laughs> what are you going to ask me? And I was like, I literally have no, like. I was nervous. No agenda. I have no like direction on what it is. Cause I just trust that I know you, I know me. I know that like we have enough things that I mean, we can talk about. I mean, 14 years of knowing each other and being BFFs. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. And yeah. at the end of the day, for me, I don't like this is what matters to me. It's the conversation less about entertaining p- listeners, which of which there are none right now. Um, yeah. But so it's one of those where I don't know. I just had that realization that I was like, this is. And then once I kind of came to that, I was like, oh, OK, now let's go. I think it makes perfect sense. Rob and I talked about it. Um I don't know if it was like right when you got back from your trip or right before you left for your trip when you were like thinking about possibly doing something like this. But I mean, we've told you to your face several times before that like you need a podcast because we just love what you have to say. And maybe we're biased, but I feel like (laughs) maybe not Robert. (laughs) (laughs) He loves you. He loves you so much. So much. But I think it's so amazing. And I think that. Um, you have your hand in enough um, areas of music that I feel like or even just up us beyond music too. I feel like, I mean, you have so many different connections with so many people that, um, and the things that you pull out of people, it's magic. So I can't wait. <laughs> I appreciate that. Can't wait. Yeah. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Hell yeah. That's why I like. When all the like getting it all set up and doing all that, once that was out of the way, it was great just to be like, oh, like, all right, now let's just have fucking fun and let's just do it. Um, yeah, but I'm excited. It's going to be, yeah, a bunch of stuff. So here's the next question, though. What's next? Oh. Well, on the Hollander, on the Hollander world, oh. in the Hollander world, I guess. I haven't really talked to anybody about this. I'm nervous. I'm excited. Um. God. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't yeah. like really talked to anybody about what's next because I feel like our progress kind of got stunted with mm-hmm. the pandemic. And then I feel like um, we left on such a high note, which to me is like the best way to That's like That's right. So we go. had the release party right before all this happened. It was literally like a month and a half 
And that was one of the funnest fucking nights I've ever had. I'm going to write that in my diary later. <laughs> <laughs> that was just hands down. I still, I can, I can remember so oh many aspects of that night. Just so much of it. I didn't even talk to which you Which is crazy. Enough. I can remember any of it. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were lit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, for real though. <laughs> for real. But so, but I can remember so much of it. So, yeah. so crystal clear. And it was one of those, oh it was such a special night. Um, the, it. all of it, just, it all came together well. Um, shout out to the Moose Lodge. Oh, love you so much forever and ever and ever. Love you so hard. But that was a killer fucking night. Ugh, was it was great. the best. It was so much fun. I wish we had. I wish we had the whole thing filmed. I wish we had documented it I know, more. Dude. I because know. it was one of those where it was just exponentially over and beyond what I had expected. But and not that, I, though, not that I had low expectations. I think we both had like decent expectations that night blew our minds like you couldn't move from point a to point b easily which is like as you're saying this right now i'm thinking about that which is crazy to think that that's such a weird thing right now oh i know i know like even i'm not like someone who's super like sentimental well not super as far as like with being close to people right now isn't like I understand it. It's not a fear. I'm not I'm not in that fear. Mm. But even still, when like someone kind of gets in my like bubble, I, I like I'm now like programmed to have that thing of be like, yo, you're too like, close to hey, me. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Six feet. Step off. Yeah. And then but to think about like like going back to that and yeah. you were like, dude, butts to nuts. Oh, you said that to me as we were both trying to get to the bar. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm writing that in my diary later. Like a hundred percent. It was butts and nuts <laughs> yeah. the entire night. It was so amazing. One of the best nights of my life. Um, can't wait to do it again. Yeah. I feel like that was it really felt like history. I remember walking up. I'm having chills on my face. I remember walking <laughs> chills up chills on your face. I don't know. That's how I, I know it's that. good. <laughs> that's how I know it's good. Every song that we made. If I didn't have chills on my face, I wasn't stoked. I know 100% of the time, like, there's chills on your body. That's fine. But when I get chills on my face, (laughs) shit's lit. Okay. Yeah. Respect. That night, that's how I felt, like, the whole night. But I remember walking up to there. And to me, like, that setting your intention before you step into the space is such a huge thing. And I remember walking up there and being like, we're going to make history tonight. Like, that's all I kept on saying to myself was, like, we're making history tonight. And seeing how everything went by and watching, you know, from beginning to end, like, as soon as we started our VIP hour and then that ended and then we were moving into something else, like, it really felt like such a, I don't know. It's a like, well-oiled machine. Oh, God. It was like, it wasn't my first release. It was like... Right. It was like we'd been doing this and it was and we knew what we were doing. But what I in my head in my heart, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. But literally. But at the same time, I was like, no, I know what the fuck I'm doing. Like just so weird. And I felt like I had the best possible team and the best people around me. Um, That blew my mind. And that's a time in my life that I will treasure my last breath it was the most incredible experience surrounded by the most incredible people um 
and what music has in the future. I have no idea, but <laughs> all I know is I just want to keep um, making good shit. Like that's so I'm just writing a ton of stuff and um, kind of pivoting a little bit with my sound. Um, but I think it's, I think it's in a good way. I think that, um, during this shutdown, it's given me time to kind of like reflect and I have a better idea of like what I want to do moving forward. I'm craving something a little bit warmer. Um, all my music kind of reflects that, like the new stuff that I've been writing kind of reflects that. Um, so I want to like, I want to lean into that hard and kind of see what happens. And I'm not really afraid of trying something different I'm excited and eager yeah and then whatever that looks like afterwards I'm not too concerned about as long as I'm still working towards like pushing the envelope and changing things up and challenging myself and then giving some like a good polished end result that's all that matters yeah yeah well I mean that kind of while you were talking about that it it, it brought up kind of Kind of something that, you know, I'd been thinking about as we had talked about, like moving on to the next record and stuff like that. Um, you know, so when we did From the Ashes, um, you know, you basically, you had these songs and our goal was to serve those songs. Yep. Um, and that's was from, that's kind of the place that we were working from. Whereas now you're in this space where, since then you've written a lot of songs (laughs) a lot i mean there's times where like i've gotten a minimum a song a day (laughs) yeah and it's like why haven't you listened to my songs yet and i'm like because you sent me like so many of them don't sound like that (laughs) totally And so, but that being said, it's like, like where you've grown, like, well, like through the original, when we first set out to do that record and watching you grow through building that record and then beyond that, like seeing your, like your mentality and the way that you viewed what you do has changed. Yeah. I like watching that has been one of the coolest things. And uh, cause I've just like, you just had like you, there was some wrestling just to say <laughs> there was some wrestling that was taking place early on. Yes, but it was needed. It was, but I it was, was just some clash. It was clashing of ideals and clashing yeah. of perspectives. And I took a lot of Xanax. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to Xanax. Yeah. Love how'd you. I get a sponsor? Sponsor me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like there's so much of that that I watched unfold in terms of the way you viewed what you did in yourself and the way that you like stepped into the reality of what it was you were trying to do versus the idea of what you were trying to do. And um and I feel like that's so almost like so much of that ha- was kind of helped contribute in terms of like your growth in that as we went into this thing with the pandemic and all that stuff too, like it shifted the way you viewed what it means to be an artist. And, you know, cause there's a lot more to being an artist than there is being artsy. Yes. You know, being artsy is probably the least amount that you do as an artist. It's the smallest 
necessary tool right to being creative all the other you know there's so many things that you need to do to leverage your space to be artsy yep and i feel like there's such like a dynamic that people have that kind of puts the horse before the carriage in the sense that everyone loves the idea of being an artist but they don't really love the reality of what it means to be an artist mm-hmm. and um and what you kind of have to do to push to navigate through that and like watching you go through that growth of like coming into saying and then owning it really like owning and taking like okay this is all right i am an artist but i'm also uh a business and i'm a brand and i'm all these things and uh understanding how the kind of the whole vehicle runs and understanding like what you can do to constantly maintain that thing and to have the different assets that are involved kind of a pay or attribute to the growth of each other side of the business or side of the artistry or whatever. Yes. And so all that to say that going into, for me, it's really exciting thinking about going into the next kind of element is that you're coming into this in a completely different space in full control in the sense that, before it was reactionary i have these songs and we we our challenge was to make those songs be what they were now we're at a space where you go i have so many fucking songs i can do whatever i want <laughs> yeah. i Honestly, do love that I, mean, I do it feels like um i feel like i stopped i didn't stop being creative i expanded on it I think that there's like a minimum amount of creativity it takes. And I don't say this to like take away from the fact that like it takes a lot of effort to write a song. Mm -hmm. I don't mean it that way. I mean it in the fact that like that's the big, that's the step one. But in order for you to be successful in your creativity, there's so many other things that have to take place. And I felt like the business part of it is the thing that I needed to work on the most. Mm -hmm. And you taught me a lot about that on how to take um, take a song as it's written and expand upon it. And I think that that's kind of where I tried to lean in a little bit. And I, um, I became – I'll go through these periods where I'm so obsessed with creating something, but not just creating it at, a, at its smallest form, but like – thinking beyond Mm -hmm. just the song itself and starting to think about, okay, well, what's it going to sound like as a full band? What's it going to sound like when I get drums in here? Like, how is it going to sound with, you know, guitars? Like, what am I thinking for the bass line? Like all that kind of shit that like, I normally never would have thought of. I normally would write a song with me and my guitar and be like, I did it. Like not, (laughs) not even thinking. You figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But that's not how it's done. Like, I I mean, people can do it that way and that's okay if that's your vein. But for me, I don't want to step into a studio and spend two years developing five songs. Right. I want to step into a studio for two days and get that shit done and then get it out to people. Like, and I think that, I feel like that's kind of like what I gleaned the most from in this experience is now I've got, I think I've written 30 songs in this pandemic and now I'm like, cool, let's pick some. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and so the word that 
comes to mind for me is intention is that like now you're writing with intention. Yeah. And for me, like that's a different level of like creativity. And I think that for so many artists or creatives, like, like we want to ideal, like idolize um, creativity as being this thing as being inspired. Like, well, I have to be inspired to, to create. And, um, you know, I was picking up my phone cause I was, I have a quote that's on my, on my, um, like profile page and it, and it says inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just show up and get to work. And the reason why I love that is that it doesn't demean creativity. What it promotes is intentional creativity in the sense that like, you can't sit around waiting to be inspired to do something great. Yep. Like it's a craft. Yes. And uh, creativity isn't a thing to be held on, to be precious, that waiting around for something magical to happen. And I feel like that's what we've like idealized this thing to be. Yes. Instead of it being a thing that says, no, it's something I work at. It's something that I show up and I do and I execute and I do it with intention. And like for me, like there's so much more skill in the creative who can do it with intention than there is by the person who just responds out of inspiration. Totally. A hundred percent. I think of the words, the words that I feel like changed my perspective were strategic aggressiveness and trying to think like those, that strategic aggressiveness is something that like really weighed on me for a while. Just trying to think about, okay, well, how am I going to pinpoint areas that I need to be aggressive in that have the most return? And that will give legs to my creativity and my inspiration. Mm -hmm. Like, ins to me, um, talent doesn't take you far. Like, everybody has, and so many people rely on it. And I, I understand that. And I think in some ways, like, we've worshipped that kind of idea that, like, talent is all that you need. Talent is the minimum thing that you need. There are so many talented people out there. And the reason why they're not all successful is because that's not what you need to be successful. Right. And so I think that once you get past the point of just relying on talent and you start thinking, okay, I've got this thing. How can I expand upon it? That's when like real shit starts to happen. Um, and that's what takes you. That's what separates the men from the boys. Like hundred, how to, how to be like that, you know? Yeah. What's funny is so I talk about this. So, I mean, if anyone who's had conversations with me in terms of my philosophy on like even being a drummer and stuff like that, I always say this. And uh, it's, it's funny you bring that up about like the whole thing with talent is that like as a drummer, I am the first to acknowledge that as far as talent goes, I am oftentimes the lesser qualified. Always say that. I do. And I, I don't say that with anything other than just being honest in the sense that like I don't have, I'm not the most talented drummer. When I'm in a room of drummers, I acknowledge that I am not the most talented and I am often probably not in the upper talented realm of drummers because I don't take drumming seriously as a drummer in that sense to be like let me be the best i can be at this thing because drumming was never for me a thing about being a drummer drumming was the avenue at which i got to create music 
And I didn't, because of that, I didn't find myself being drawn to like crazy drummers or like the drummers that every drummer is going to recite in their head right now and how they idolize them. Like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I just don't. And for it just was not my mentality. And I didn't sit in my bedroom and play along to all of these iconic songs. And I didn't sit and learn paradiddles for, you know, four hours a day so I could be the fastest and have all these things down. Yeah. I started playing drums is because drums moved me and it was all based out of some like a feeling of some sort. Yeah. And for me, like the thing that I always joke about what's kept me employed the most was my lack of skill. It's laugh, but I'm serious. I say this shit. I guarantee you right now. I just, if anyone's listening right now, they're like, I've heard him say this. I'm sure. Because, and here's why I say this, is that someone who has spent the time to develop that skill set has committed to doing those things. They have all these tools in their back and all these tools, and they, they want to be used. Those tools want to be used. And there's nothing that we can do it except for fight our ego the best thing about not having a tool belt that has a lot of fucking tools is that as i don't have all these tools to pull from i go this is the job i have three tools to use yeah i'm gonna use those three tools i'm gonna make it work and what it and for me what it was is that i didn't approach it with being like how can i come up with like this cool part or how can i do this thing that's gonna like stand out is that for me more often than not, I just didn't want to fuck up. Like that was my goal for most things was like, I'm, not only do I not want to stand out, I just want to fuck up. So <laughs> like if I'm not even noticed, like that's where I'm happiest. Yeah. Because for me, if I'm not noticed, then what's happening is that I've slid into being part of something bigger, yeah. which is the music itself. I don't give a fuck if you... Like, I'm not looking for people to come up afterwards and be like, oh, my God, that was the dopest fucking drum part. Oh, that that fill you did. But it does happen. But it's just I don't like that. The biggest things is when like the the biggest compliments come up. And I remember specifically like playing with Trevor Mulvey. Like there's times where people come up and they'd be musicians because mostly it's going to be musicians that recognize this. And they're like, dude, you and the bass player were so locked in yes and they're like it was just and for me that's the biggest compliment yes and the thing that's another compliment is for people who i hear talking to other people or whatever and they're referring to things that were going on that they don't realize that were the product of me and the bass player say being locked in you know to them it was just the reaction of that and that feeds me way more than someone being like, oh, you're, that role you did was so cool. It like totally, like, I don't give, I just don't. Because you serve the song. That's the difference. And I think that, um, I think that's especially one of the things that kind of blew my mind a little bit the most, I think, was when we started this whole process is that I feel like that's where I took it from you was like, serve the song. Like you're not serving yourself. You're not serving your ideas. You're serving the song. It's so different to like pay your dues to a song. Um, but one of the things I loved when I was young and I was like in choir, like we would always be told it's not about hearing each individual part. It's about one sound. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that that's kind of how you play is to one sound. And it's not that there's not like other parts and stuff like that, but it's about creating a product that when it's shown up front, it's one thing. It's not like four different things that you're handing over to somebody else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's for me, like when I look at stuff like, don't be wrong, I'm still a musician and I still have appreciation for those things. And like when I show up and I see a band who has a drummer who just kills it, and um, and as long as they, because the way I look at it too is that you could show up and watch a band play and you could watch someone who fucks up and that stands out. And then to me, you can have someone who's like shredding and that stands out. And to me, they stand out the same. Wow. And so my favorite thing is when I see musicians who know how to do those things and still slide unnoticed except for to those who are paying attention and like that's my favorite shit is to be like you know like how or how often you know like you know my wife loves live music and stuff too and so we go that's like for us we'd always go to concerts and like that would be my biggest things like oh like the drummer's doing this he's doing this thing that like it's super crazy but it, he's doing it because it fits what's happening everywhere else and to me that's just so much greater than it than some fucked up drum solo that just sounds like beating pots and pans that's in, sorry <laughs> you all just got put on notice <laughs> <laughs> well i just i don't but like i said going back to that though is all comes down to the fact that like the blessing it is that i i consider it a blessing i didn't once i once looked down on what I do because I know where I lacked, but I consider it a blessing now almost that like, I don't have to fight myself on having to do less because I just don't have it. But I also like, I don't, I don't have to go and like, I don't have to rein it in because I don't have the thing that's going over. Like I just don't. And so there was a time that where I went like, Oh man, it'd be really good. But I, you know what I stopped doing? I stopped allowing myself to get booked for things where I felt like I was not doing the part. Like, so in terms of like someone would say, Hey, I need a drummer for this gig. And I would go do these gigs and I would constantly feel like, man, I'm like, not really, I don't have the skill set to really be doing this thing. I can't even imagine. And then, well, there's all kinds of stuff that's just not comfortable for me and that that's not like my, it's not where it sits comfortably Yeah. or, and it's not where I really excel. But like for me, unfortunately, like things like I love country music mm-hmm. and the best thing about country music is it's like two and four. <laughs> like I could sit meat and potatoes two and four all day long. We can go every song. We can go 12 songs straight. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Just like boom, bang, boom. <laughs> don't care. Let's go. Or like train beat. You want a train beat? I, I remember when I first started playing and like at like the church and, and yeah. it'd be one of those things and they'd be like, Hey, can you do like the train beat thing? And it'd be like four on the floor with a train beat and I would be miserable because I'd be like, I want to do something like, Oh my God. If someone's like, Hey, Oh, this one's gonna be a train beat. I light up. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I could sit here like that all day and just, it'll feel good. And I don't have to think about it. Like that's my shit. I get high off of it. Yeah. Like let's go. Yeah. And that that's just one of those where, 
I don't know. So I just kind of, I just learned where I fit. And fortunately where I fit is also in an area that I love. So for me, it was like, this is all great. So when people come through and I, I get people that hit me up and they say, Hey, Hey, I'm looking for a drummer to do this thing on this. Right. And I'm like, Hey, I got like seven people that'll kill that. <laughs> I ain't your guy. I was not. That's amazing. Because I know you're going to want some like crazy prog rock, like syncopated fucking <laughs> paradiddles all over the place and shit. Paradiddles? And like, is that a word? Uh, yeah, it's a word. <laughs> I only know the word. I barely know the function. <laughs> I've never heard that. But for real, but it's just one of those where, I don't know, self-awareness. I learned yeah. that. And I'm. it's not talking down. I'm not talking down on myself in it. You're I'm just saying that. Strengths. Going back to what you said of yeah. like, of just of it's just really a matter of like skill is great skill is fabulous i watch every now and then youtube drummers yeah that uh shred yeah and they're doing all this crazy shit and it doesn't really something that like satisfies me but i do like to see it from time to time and but it's also one of those things where i go that motherfucker ain't playing with nobody (laughs) there's a reason why he's still in his bedroom playing by himself and I don't play fucking drums to play by myself. Ooh. Like I do it to go play as a unit with other people. Yes. And I also think that you're strong in your lane. And I think that if more creatives can learn to be strong in their lane, they'll be more successful. Yeah. I mean, that's just a, that's a, just an element of just success in general, whether it's, I, yes. I mean, in business across like the board, Gary Vaynerchuk, someone who's inspired me over the years through business and, you know, as an entrepreneur and, and he's one of those where he's like, dude, things that I suck at, I just don't even bother. Smart. He's, I double down on all my strengths. Yes. Like this is what I'm good at. I, all my chips, I yes. go all in on the shit I'm good at the shit I suck at. Someone else will do it. And I think that's so wise, though. I think too many people try so hard to, like, expand in other areas. I remember when I was trying to figure out, like, my – where I fit as a vocalist in music, and I would try everything. I mean, I, I was like, I'm an R&B singer this week, and the next week it was like, I'm a jazz singer, and the <laughs> next week it was like, I'm doing country. And then it just kind of moved from, like, thing to thing, and then yeah. it took so long for me to be like – yeah, I can do all that stuff, but like, where do I feel is like my own? It's so like playing to your strengths is like such an important thing for success. Yeah. Just I'm everywhere. Everywhere. And yeah. everything that you do. And that's not to say that you neglect, like there's some things that like, oh, you suck at this. You should probably be better. <laughs> yeah. And like those things do exist. <laughs> yes. You know, unless you can afford to hire someone to do it. And I don't like, you know, and that's the only time that that doesn't really fucking matter. But other than, but more often than not, you know, doubling down on your strengths is where you're going to find the freedom to be free from having to kind of endure the things that are your biggest weaknesses, you know, Uh and like, um, you know, and like going back to like, even with myself in terms of drumming, like, you know, I, you know, when I doubled down and realizing the things that like, this is what I do well, and then I just, I said yes to those things. It didn't allow me to have time to even think about doing the things that aren't in my lane. Yeah. Like when I don't have anything going on, like, yeah, I want to say yes to anything that comes up, <laughs> you know, whether it's in my lane or not. But when I have a schedule that's full of things that are like, this is what I want. This is in my lane. Well, then I, then the other things get, uh, no, that I'm no, that's not either. It's, I don't do that well, or it's, I don't like that. 
yeah. or I don't want to. Yeah. And because I have the freedom from it because I have the things that are here. And we talked about that even in, in on a business side of like scheduling as an artist like that. Like I, I'm a huge believer in people who are trying to f- navigate their way through what they should or shouldn't be doing. And I'm an advocate of until you have a full calendar, you haven't created a market for shit. Yep. And so you can't pick and choose. Say yes till your calendar's full. When your calendar's full, now you get to choose. Ah. And, you know, and I feel like uh, we went through that. You told me. You told me. Because like- you'd be like, I don't, like, <laughs> uh, I, well, I don't want to do this one. Like, they're not, like, ah. but whatever. And I'm like, you're saying yes. He did. He said it. He said it. But it was so smart. I needed to hear that. And it's not It's not because I was like, I'm better than anything. That's not how I felt. No. It was just, I knew what I wanted to do. Right. But you kept reminding me that it's so important to keep saying yes to things until your schedule is so backed up and crazy. Do you get to say no to anything? So I literally would say yes to everything. Yeah. To everything. I'd be like, yeah. yeah. Well, and the best part, because it'd be like, well, this one's not really paying that much, whatever. And, but not, now it's like, so what's happened yep. over the period of time is you've gone and you've, you went through a period of saying yes. Yep. And you had a schedule that was full of a lot of yeses, whether you like those things or not. And then over time, what happens is now when something better comes down, well, the thing that I didn't like doing <laughs> is gone. Yeah. It gets replaced with something else. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, that's like, I feel like people think economics applies strictly to like money. Mm. And what people fail to understand is that the economy of time and is energy. far, yep. far more valuable yes. than money. Great. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Agreed. Like time is my biggest fucking asset. Yes. Like I, money, I don't have a lot. And I don't care for it, but my time is everything. And I say yes to a lot. Yes so which means my time's even more limited. Yeah. So it's one of those where like, that's the thing I had to learn. Like the power of saying no, but the power of saying no only had power because of the fact that I had all this other shit that was else. like, Truth. you know, it's like, you know, it wasn't this thing of where I'm not doing anything and the thing comes along. Like how much power do I have to negotiate or how much power do I have to bullshit when it, I'm sitting there and I don't really have anything going on. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I want to do this thing. Be like, well, I can't even like use the like fucked up excuse. Be like, well, oh, I'm too busy. I can't. Which is my favorite fucking excuse to have in my back pocket. So I can't even do that because it's like, they're like, bitch, you ain't busy. So for no other reason. I love it. (laughs) I'm just saying. It's true though. And I think too, like, um, you start getting used to like saying yes to everything that then you're like, I feel now I'm always torn because I'm like, well, two people want music from me on the same day. How can I fit them both on the same day? That's great. Like, now I'm like, okay, I don't want to say no because I don't want to turn something down right. because I, to me, momentum is the most precious thing in the world. Like I, 
prefer momentum over money. Like if I'm continually moving and continually making moves and just going, I don't want to stop for anything. And so if I get like hit up by two people, they're like, hey, for example, December 5th, what are you doing? I had three people reach out to me for yeah. that day and I was like, can I do How all do I three? <laughs> Literally, yeah. not joking. 100%. And you did that. I hit you up the yes. other day about something, about like a private thing. I'll and, do it. And you're like, well, can they do it then? Like, yeah. I'll do it. I'll come before. I'll do it. Yeah. I will. And I, to me, I especially, and I think that like, that's where I'm so, that's where I like try to turn the pandemic from like a shitty thing to like a, a, Respected thing for yeah. me is like okay now I understand that these moments are far few between like how can I now make time for everything that I possibly right. can yeah and I love it well and that's what like I'm fascinated by because you know and I I was talking to someone about this the other day is I you know I made the comment I was like there's motherfuckers out here sitting on their hands Hollander's over here turning shit down yes damn it. And I wish like, I wasn't. I was like, she turns <laughs> down more stuff than some of these people are doing at all. And that's, and like, it's one of those things where like, I'm not hating on people. If you're going to, if you're, that's your thing. You're wanting to, yeah. If you're wanting to camp out and do your thing and you're like, and, and, uh, you're, oh, here, let me finish that before you. She's trying to get me drunk. Um, but like if you're, if you're sitting there and you're like, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to be out doing this or that, or, and I don't want to, that's great. That's absolutely fine. My issue lies in when I constantly hear people who are complaining about it. Yes. I don't care if you choose to do nothing. What I care about and I get super irritated about is when people begin complaining mm-hmm. and you're like, what have you done? Like you uh, haven't done anything. Uh, like you're not doing anything. And so I don't know what it is that I don't, I'm not sure if like, if it's a thing of just f- people feel like, Hey, well, I should just be given these things or I should be given this opportunity or these people should be hitting me up or I should be booked at this thing because of whatever. And I don't know. I think for me and I, my pr- perspective is in the core essence of like what is kind of like a true capitalist mentality in the sense that like the market dictates everything and value, which yes. is why we, we just talked about like yes. the more that you're doing, the more value you are adding yes. and there's supply and demand and people want things that are more valuable. And so when you're sitting on your hands at home and you haven't done anything, you're not relevant and yep. your value is not as great. Yep, That's just, economics of time yep. and everything that's going on like there's not a lot of opportunities yeah, unfortunately there's yeah. not a, there's not as many opportunities there are a lot of opportunities there are a lot there really really are yeah and and you, and you make your own sometimes yeah. like i think that that's yeah it, well and going back to like i remember very distinctly and i remember it clicked for you i remember seeing it in your face because you said something about you're like there's a gig you had and you were kind of complaining about it because of some variable that's involved. And I said, that's fine. I was like, you could not do it. There's probably 20 motherfuckers waiting in line to get it. Yeah. And you were like, all of a sudden you were like, 
I was well, like, I don't want oh, that bitch to have my shit. shit. I was like, oh yeah. shit. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. But it did. It put things in perspective. And you said to me, and it's it's there's like this fine line between fighting for your worth, but also working with people. Developing your worth. Developing, yes. That's that's a much better way to put it. So fighting for your worth and developing it. There's such a, there's a fine line yeah. between that. And I think that as a musician, I'm constantly battled between that because to me, it makes, at the end of the day, it makes more sense for me to show up than it does for me to not. And so finding that balance of like where that lies, I think is like tough. But you said to me, you were like, well, you could be making a hundred bucks at this show or you could make nothing and you can sit on your couch. And I was like, Oh, and someone else is going to make the yeah and somebody else yes exactly <laughs> yeah and i'm trying to bulldoze everyone right, right? i'm trying to go right. and so like it's such a balance of like figuring that out for yourself and everyone else like everyone has their their minimums and stuff like that and i'm, yeah. I'm not taking away from that for me though like i just want to go yeah. and so right now i feel like my perspective has completely transitioned from this is what i want to this is what I want, but it's more important for me to stay busy. Yeah, absolutely. And especially now. That's the economy of time. Yeah. Is it's really just about like your time. And I mean, like all things that are driven in an economy, like, you know, um, their values change at times. Yes. Like it varies. Yes. Like my time now is the value on my time is different than it was eight months ago the value on my time next week is going to be different than the value on my time today and it all depends on everything that's going on and i feel like people like to pretend that like they live in a fixed rate life where like their time is like well this is it and you go okay that's fine but the market is going to go by you yes. and the people who are living in the the market are going to flow with it and also to add to that like because we're in a pandemic things are different like mm -hmm. and i i get frustrated when i hear about people where they're like well this is normally my minimum and i'm like fuck your minimums like sorry but yeah. fuck your minimums because right and now you're normal and you're normal yes because yeah. everybody's struggling during um during the shutdown i can't tell you i've done i've done a handful of free shows and i normally would never do a free show because I think like you time yeah. is money. And so for me, like my time is valuable, but we have to keep in perspective that it is a shutdown right now. Businesses are hurting. It is such a little tiny sacrifice for me to show up and provide music where I can right. to help support the places that have been supporting me right. throughout my entire music career right. and just can't right now. Right. And so I think it's important for, for musicians and, and, and businesses to kind of like give and take, like find out ways where we can collaborate, what we can do to help like serve one another in mm -hmm. these times, because we're all fucking hurting. It's not, it's not just one person, like everybody's going through it. Yep. And so I think right now, especially like I don't have, I don't have minimums. I don't have, um, I'm not really, I'm not really, there's not a lot that I'll say no to. Right, right now just whether or not it fits in your schedule yeah and i i like to see my calendar yeah. booked up more than well that's what i love not. so you know 
doing I, so doing the booking over at 1924. Hell yeah! Shout out to 1924. We love you. <laughs> I do love that place. That's, yeah, we do. If you haven't been out there, it's in Fallbrook. Great vineyard. It's the best. Everyone out there is great. It's like we're a obsessed. Breath of fresh air out there. Uh, that sangria. Yeah. The bottom of the keg. Oof. Oh. Oof. Oh. So good. So good. Uh. But I I know that this is funny. So I do all the doing all the booking there. Like you know, obviously I hit you up and you're like, hey, I want a book. Like I need a book like a little further out. Like you know, and I'm sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just kind of funny because it's like I have so many people who are like, you know, hit me up and they're 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 trying to get booked for like. Like, hey, I know there's music going on. Like, um, you know, is there an opening next week? Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> are like, they really, really for yeah, like a yeah. week in advance? Yeah, and they're like, oh, are there any openings next week on the music stuff? And I'm like, I got people that I work with that are like booking like months in advance. Like, it's a trip. It's like one of those. And it's just a different, like, again, it's the difference between people who are out there. And so point being that like, you're like, hey, I need to book. Like, if this is what we're doing, like, I need to book two months out. Well, and I also feel like that's where I'm selfish because, like, I want to book the places that I love the most. Yeah. I don't want to go a month without seeing you, okay? <laughs> All right? That's how I feel. So I will have to book out, like, in advance. And, and um, and I, I mean, unfortunately, right now, I mean, not unfortunately, absolutely fortunately right now, I'm booking out two months in advance. Yeah. Like, so I always get shocked when I get people and they're like, hey, are you available next month? And I'm like, what? A yeah. month? I'm like, that is not nearly enough time. And it's not because I'm like a stuck up bitch. It's because like I literally try to pack my schedule as right. much as possible, like to the brim almost, to the brim for at least two months in advance because I'm not thinking about this weekend. I'm thinking about two months from now to make sure that I'm still hustling this hard. Right. I can't believe people are reaching out a week in advance. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get all kinds of weird you stuff. Anything tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. <God. laughs> you, yeah. Get it together. I if know. you're serious about this, it's get like... it together. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It's fun stuff. <laughs> I like, I do feel bad because I think that the emails that you get on a constant basis are intense yeah i definitely i mean <laughs> i'm tempted because i have my computer right here to be like oh let me pull up emails i'm not going to do that oh, but do it's it. one of those things no, where it's so it. funny like i get, get i get hit up by people for stuff and it's like and they'll be like oh hey i wanted to see like can i i want to play this place on this date and i'll be like yo i'm booked like two months out and they're like what and they're like well shocked yeah, and they'll like start like trying to be like, well, I see that you're like, I'm like, you're trying to rationalize right now why like I shouldn't be booked that day so you can come in and put like, like we are off on such a bad foot right now. And like you, <laughs> like you think this is going to go somewhere? <laughs> I just can't imagine if you're that difficult to schedule how difficult you must be to oh, like, yeah. work with. Oh, it's the best. And then they'll be like, they'll fall. So at the end of me trying to explain to them how like, I don't know, uh, reality works. <laughs> and then they'll come in and they'll be like, 
oh, okay, well, if anything opens up, please let me know. And I'm like, oh, delete. Yeah, I'm like, totally. I'll totally hit you up. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's just, and it's like, I don't want to be an asshole. No, you have to be. It's just one of those things where it's just like a, it's just an interesting, it's an interesting time that we're living in. And we're living in a weird place culturally that, like, promotes this this idea of like oh if i feel this way it must be and sheer entitlement yeah and it's and it is interesting because and it's like it's just funny that like the lengths that people will go to um navigate that in terms of just like oh well like well i live right down the street so like oh you live right down the street therefore you are the most qualified to be hired for this musical gig. Must be freaking nice. I've Which, traveled, but I'm like, but that's not like, that's not a qualification. Oh, don't get me wrong. I wish I lived down the street because that way I can get pissed fucking drunk and walk home. Exactly. 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 But, but that doesn't make you the most qualified to be like, oh, like I should just, I should just be hired for this thing. I get like, I get hella annoyed that people have forgotten how to like fight for stuff. Yeah. Properly. Like, it frustrates me that people think that, oh, just because I have a conversation or just because I show up and I talk to the bartender that I should have a show. Like, it's not about that. You got to put your time in and you have to be dedicated and humble enough to be able to be like, this is my time. This Mm -hmm. is the time that I'm putting in so that a year from now, I can look back and be like, I hustled hard for this. But nobody wants to do that anymore. No. I don't. I, I feel I, I do think your emails are like so tough. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. Tough. It's great. I mean, well, honestly, it's like one of those things, too, where, you know, if you're listening, I'm sorry. And you've emailed me. I'm sorry. But <laughs> like. I usually if it's something that's like that, I'll be like, I'm not just going to not respond. But also, if you have emailed him. And maybe you fall into this category, like use this as a moment to just learn a little bit and not and I say that and I say that yeah. with like respect I'm not saying that to like be a be an asshole I'm saying that because I had to get myself checked more than once or twice to be able to like get to a place where my calendar is booked like yeah. it took time and 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 I'm sure I'll get checked even more with what lies ahead but use these things as like teachable moments to figure out okay like this is what I should do this is how I should go about booking something um everything's a teachable moment yeah well yeah and it's like one of those where you know i was talking to someone about it the other day so like i had a situation where i i feel this a day with someone who was like a new artist and i don't know them i've never even met them and unfortunately i booked them for a thing and i couldn't even be there to to meet them then either um you know and and someone had asked me they're like well how do you like how do you navigate that like booking someone you don't even know and i said well you know what happens is i get flooded with emails from people and honestly the the way that you email me is going to be a huge sign in the type of person that you are and going back to when we talk about like the difference between people who are really skilled and those who understand all the other variables and who often are the ones who get hired like 
It's I don't I don't care how great you are. I need to know that you're going to show up on time. Yep. You're going to show up with all the stuff. You're going to fit the space. You're going to understand the dynamic. You're going to be flexible. You're going to be all the things that you need to be. And the way that I can discern that is in the way you interact with me when you reach out to me in, in an yeah. email, which sounds crazy to say that but like, it does, though. Oh, well, it's like, oh, like, well, I'm judging this person based on their email. But let me explain. Let me Break it down for us, Sally. Break it down. down. Break it down. So you get someone who goes, and I get an email, and it says, hey, I got your information from such and such and such and such. I want to play this thing. That's it. (laughs) Then I get emails from other people who are like, hey, my name is so-and-so. I got your information from this place, whatever, from this person, and I'm interested in playing this this place that you book and here's what I do. I can play through up to three hours of music and then I can do covers and originals. You let me know what is better for the place. Yes. Like I can play around this, the, the, the circumstance. I have my own equipment. Here's all my links. Here's my Instagram. Here's my Facebook. Yes. Here's links to all my music, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, I don't know. Who do you think I'm going to fucking pay attention to? <laughs> Exactly. Like, because so you don't someone, have to do any research. It's no, all someone's going to reach out, and I'm going to. So what? I'm going to have to email you and go yeah. to someone. The person who said, "Hey, I want to play here." Do you think I'm going to go? Hey, okay. What do you play? Well, what's your name? Uh, what do you do? Um, can you do X, Y? When I have somebody else who it's said, "Boom," all the information I need, all I have to do is say, "Hey, are you available this day? Do you want to do it?" And they, and here's what it pays. And they go, "Yep." I go, L. "Cool." Yes. Show up. Be there at this time. This is what it is. And they go. And at that point in time, the amount of care I have on their talent set is zero. Well, and the reason why is because I've already put enough effort into showing you their work ethic. I trust at that point in time, if they articulate themselves in the way that they do, that they have enough talent to cover the spread. I would say 90% of the time. Yeah. Maybe even 95% of the time that you'll be fine. But artists, did you just hear that? Following that kind of protocol in your emails is gold. I'm baffled. I'm telling you right now. So like all I, I've worked, I've been in lots of different bands. And for most of them, I've been the person to be like, let me take over the like contact. You stuff. have. You have. But it's because I've been baffled on the sense of like, you go and you look at I'm like, that's the, like, that's the email you sent to these motherfuckers? Like, we're trying to get booked for this thing, and, like, that's the that's what you said? That, like, it makes me nervous. It's like, I feel like people just don't understand that. So, again, it goes back to, like, we talk about the difference between ideas and reality. Like, oh, I want to do this thing. The idea of playing that thing's great. I should do that thing. And you're so, your paradigm is focused on you. And not focused on the reality of like, oh, okay, well, what's going to take for me to play there? Somebody has to do all the groundwork to make that thing happen. Oh, I want to play this festival. Somebody's booking that festival. Somebody's putting together a catalog of artists. And while you might be the best fucking band that has ever walked the earth, if you don't make my life easier or like, at least help me along the path. Yes. Like, why do I care? 
because I, my job is to execute my job. My job yes. isn't to care so about to do research. Yeah, to figure out if people are capable. And I think that like um, like when I was trying to figure out where I could book, how I could book, all that kind of stuff, like. There was a time where I only had an hour worth of material. And I was like, I only have an hour. Like, and I remember reaching out to people and they're like, that's fine. Like, and I, at that time I didn't charge for anything. Mm -hmm. Cause I was like, I'm just starting out. I'm not going to charge for anything. I'm just going to show up and I'm going to like try my best. And I knew enough, but I didn't know much. And then I started to see that most places were like, oh, well, like, our artists, we require them to play for two to three hours because that's what makes it most beneficial for these right. places of business. And I'm there to add to the atmosphere. I'm not there to make it about me. Like, unfortunately, this is not like a music hall where I'm playing like where I the shit that I right. want to play. Like, I'm paid to add to the environment that's already in place. And it's my job to do my homework, to figure out how I can do that. And um, after that, I was like, okay, I've got to come up with like three hours of material and it took a long time. And I remember specifically like griping to you, like three hours is so long. <laughs> and now I'm like, three hours is not enough time. Like I have so much I want to share. And sometimes it's funny as you totally say that you get to like the end of one of your like longer sets or something like that. And I'm like, you didn't play this song. It flew by. You didn't play that yes, song. I know. You didn't play this song. And I'm I like, this is bullshit. I want my fucking money back. <laughs> and if he's had enough to drink, he will call me oh, out. Oh, I the will spot. start. It'll be like the last like 12 minutes, and I'll just start. I'm like, 12. she has a. It'll be the last like two. It'll be like the last two minutes. Well, and I you're just like, know. You haven't done this. Yeah, if you haven't got to like the ones I want, I'll be like, she hasn't done them. Oh, we'll see about that. And I do. I try to push the envelope with you and be like, I'm not going to play this one today and see. Because I don't want to like play all the good ones all the time. I'm trying. Give the people what they want. <laughs> I got to make them come back for more. I can't give it. I can't give all the good good all the time. They come back for good good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm still learning, you guys. I'm still learning. Oh. Out of control. Yeah. That's crazy. I had a thought. So something that I, I uh, you know, it's funny. So I wanted to have like uh, notepads here. So Ugh. that way, if like something happened, we could like write it down to like. I know. Because there were a lot of things note. you said. Hey, I'm learning on the fly. This is episode one. I haven't really like, you know, I don't have this figured out. Probably never have it fully figured out. And that's the goal. My goal is to never have it figured out. That's how I want to feel. <laughs> but, um, but I did make a mental note. And uh, I had a thought. We were talking. Something came up about church. Oh. So I remember we both come from church backgrounds. Yeah. And I am such a huge like proponent of the reality that or at least just accepting that how many people have come from that environment. A lot of people. And I very distinctly remember. I have one of those fucked up like photograph. It's not photographic, but like when it comes to like moments, I can just remember a lot of variables. I can remember like details of like things like I can put myself in that. And I also so I remember the first time I don't think we met, but it was the first time that you were I ever like encountered you. And you were singing for a choir well, I, at Grace Chapel of the Coast when I was there. Holla, Grace Chapel. 
And I remember there's this choir that was there, and all of a sudden, this little girl comes out of nowhere with the biggest fucking voice ever. And I, rem- I, f- I remember very distinctly, like, there's these, so this, this church is in an old movie theater. And so it had the, like, these old school chairs from, like, a movie theater from, like, the mid-90s, essentially. Mm-hmm. I hope they've got new chairs since then. <laughs> I hope they haven't. That's they were the tight. squeakiest, gnarliest <laughs> chairs ever. They're, like, metal, they're, like, metal-backed chairs with like a little bit of padding that are all fabric. like, oh yeah, there's, oh, yeah, they were so gnarly. It. And, uh, but I very distinctly remember you came out and I, I, I wish I could remember the song because I actually have somewhere the, the recording of that live thing. I remember I had it. I know that day. And I remember you, you came out and had like a solo thing. And I remember like white knuckling the chair in front of me. Because it was just one of those things. Was like your voice was so ginormous. It was unlike anything I had in my life at that moment in time had experienced in person. And I was remember just being like, "Granted, I was at church, so I probably wasn't thinking this vulgarly." But I was like, "What the actual fuck is happening?" (laughs) So whatever the variation of that in like a church setting, that's how I felt. I remember that day. So gnarly. We were, um, so a little backstory to that is all throughout high school and even in my junior high days, because my, um, my principal, who was also like my teacher and my choir instructor, he pulled me from like, <laughs> just, you know, typical Christian school, like a, I alternate, to, like, like, uh, what do you yes, do? Everything. I'm, a, I'm a gym teacher, the principal, <laughs> and, uh, I do counseling. Yeah. Everything, literally. But he pulled me from like the fifth grade to be in the our high school choir ensemble. So here I am in like fifth grade, like in a freaking trainer bra, like <laughs> learning Latin music. <laughs> the trainer bra. like learning how to like sing latin music and like french we even sang a song in like german once which german is like that's an aggressive ass language it is an aggressive language and to figure out how to sing that and sound pretty is Mm. fucking tough so anyway so i remember him pulling me like the fifth grade and i started just like singing these songs and like by seventh grade we had like traveled the world and every year we'd go on some sort of like big trip And before that trip, we'd always go to Pasadena to um, do like a a competition where we'd like perform these songs and compete against like other schools like ours and compete. And one of the songs was this song called Lead Me to the Rock. That's what it was. And it was every time before we would go compete, we'd go around performing at other churches in our area to kind of like get an idea of how it feels to perform. And I remember that day and this was I think it was my I think it was my senior year. I think so. And I I remember that song was like um one of my solos that year. And um I had rewritten the vocal part, which mm. you don't do. Like mm. normally when you get classical pieces, you learn it exactly how it is and you sing it exactly how it is. But 
because of how stubborn I am, I was like, that's not good. Let's do this. <laughs> weird. <laughs> and so I re yeah, yeah, weird. Not like me at all. So I rewrote it and we played it. And I remember that was like, I think the first time we'd ever performed it was at Grace Chapel. And it was like a were there two services, I think. I think. There could have been. First service, yeah. I'm pretty sure I like messed it up somehow and then like second service i feel like i got it together yeah i think i was there for the second service or something um, it was like a special yeah it was like a special thing that was happening yeah. so they did like yeah a, it was amazing it was yeah. so much fun i i still i carry a very special place in my heart for those days <laughs> um but it did it totally yeah. taught me like performance and yeah. what it means to like perform and um that's how i really got to like use my voice because yeah. all the girls i sang with were such like lighthearted, tiny voice singers. And yeah. I was like, I want to blow people out of their seats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, so I kind of brought it up too. Cause like, obviously that's like a, that was the first time I had ever, like, I, I can't remember if I met you that day or not, but I definitely know oh, that yeah. it was a memorable thing. And then it was interesting that later on, like everything transpired. Became the way it BFF. But, We're making history. <laughs> but, uh, but I brought that up because you so I'm I've always been fascinated with like the role the church has had on the music community. You know, my wife and I like with zero, zero shame are huge fans of the voice. And I know you talk shit all the time, but uh we love it. And and I remember when we so even when like when we first started dating and I was like Hey, new uh, new season of The Voice is coming on, and she was like, "What the fuck? Like you loser! Like you're gonna watch the fucking Voice? Like what is wrong with you?" She's tough as nails. Oh I yeah, love my her. gnarly. So she's sitting there probably with like fucking vodka on the rocks, and she's like, "Okay, yeah. let's see what these idiots are yeah. all about." Oh god, yeah. I love and so her. we're sitting there, and we start watching the Voice, and she falls in love with it. And uh, so we've been we've we've watched The Voice every season since then. And, uh, but I remember early on what, you know, something that happened is, uh, you know, watching the voice, these people come on and they tell their backstories and everything. And a third of them would always have a backstory said, well, I grew up singing in the church or I did this in the church. And she was, you know, very like, um, naive to that world was just like, what's up with all these people? Like, it seems like they all like come from the church. And it's one of those things where I, you know, so many people that I do music with now are people who I've played with in the church. Stephen Crop, like one of my best friends and one of my favorite guitar players that I've done play with Wish in the Well, and we've played on all kinds of other stuff together. All this stuff. Yeah. Met him through the church. Shout out to Stephen. We love you. Stephen, love Stephen. Jonathan Hall, who's played with us on some of your yeah. stuff started playing with him in the church. Yeah, Jay Hall. Like Mason, who played guitar on your Mason. records, started playing in the church. Francis Bloom. I started playing in church. You started doing the church. Yeah. Francis Bloom started in the church. Yeah. Like so much of the musical world that I've lived in has been kind of through that dynamic and explaining it to someone like my, you know, my wife who, um, you know, as a kid went through like, uh, like the traditional church, like the Catholic church, which was like a very, like whatever, like 
strict. super strict and very yeah. just like you know and that's not the world i grew up in playing where we were doing crazy music in the church hell yeah you know we were stirring shit up yeah starting conga lines <laughs> conga line sometimes yep grace chapel of the coast yep 100 had conga lines 100 <laughs> <laughs> those fools got down with all of it like all of oh it. i loved it uh but you know and like for me like that's how like that's not why i play music but it's definitely the avenue that led me to to having the opportunity to play music in the sense that you know my dad bought me a drum set when i was like late in high school and like i was always been drawn to playing drums uh, I just never really had the avenue to do it, and then when it, for whatever reason, I don't know why my dad bought me a drum set. He just ha- he just happened he just did, and it all kind of connected there. And I knew that I wanted to play drums, and uh, I have a story that's involved with that too. That involves X, and like that kind of basically was like my like whatever, not relevant to this story. But <laughs> they um, but what happened is so I'd have surf PE and. Uh, when it would be raining, the surf PE coach was also the band coach, band teacher or whatever. So when it would rain, we'd get rained out and we couldn't have surf PE. We'd have to go hang out in his classroom and it'd be the band room. And one day he's like, oh, does anyone want to like, and I would got a drum set. So I was like, oh, kind of like Tinker. And so like he had ca- taught me like the super basics of like playing drums. And then uh, at the time I was going to like three different youth groups a week Remember earlier how I noted how when I do shit, I do it like all all in and I do yes. like way too much. <laughs> so I was in high school going to three different, maybe at sometimes four different youth groups outside of going to church on Sundays, which by the way, I didn't even grow up in a church household. My dad didn't even like the church and I was still going to three to four, sometimes five different You're church so functions. so blessed. I'm so, so blessed. special. You're so blessed. <laughs> but I just, that's just the way I operate. But uh, and I remember Willie, who's the my youth pastor. Yeah, Willie. It was like I just was like kind of like practicing some of the thing, and it was just the most basic two and four. Remember when I said that I love also playing just two and four. Church. The loves first fucking two and the four. first beat that I learned, whatever, is the beat that they I will play it. today. Anyway, so I'm playing that, and he's like, for like the youth service thing, he's like, "Hey, do you want to like you should play with me tonight." while i when i lead the like the youth group like worship service and i'm like dude i don't know he's like no just do what you did and then you just adjust the time based on like how fast i'm playing just but just play exactly what you played and i'm like okay so i would just play the same thing and then as he would play a slower song i might slow down a little bit i'm like oh okay like i got it you know like and so that's how like i learned to play and so i did that for a little while and then it kind of formulated like a high school youth group kind of band thing. And I was doing that. And then uh, it turned into now it was like, okay, well, now the main service is going to have the high schoolers lead. So I did that. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, you can. And so like over time, it just kind of developed in this thing of learning to play on the fly. And uh, which turned into playing with like the main church service. And it would be like, oh, hey, well, cool. So you're going to play this thing. We're going to do a rehearsal. Here's the song. So you go listen to the songs and then you show up. We'll do a rehearsal and you're going to kind of play them our adapted limited version of this really eclectic 
complicated fucking song. The most complex stuff. Yeah, they'd be like, well, like we two different to- drum lines. Pick one. Make them sound like you're playing both. Yeah, I'd be yeah. like, oh, let's take this really complicated number and like let's take like the semi song like the things. most semi talented people because that's just what we had and like pretend that we're gonna like do this yeah huge piece (laughs) like okay so that was like constantly wrestling that but it was a situation where like where else would i have had the opportunity to just play in front of people to say hey here's these songs we're gonna learn figure it out and then play and then on top of that playing with musicians who weren't quote unquote musicians so we're playing live in front of people with people who don't really know what the fuck they're doing and you're having to adapt you're having to really pay attention to like playing together and learning not because that's what music's about because your life depended on it yep because you didn't want to be the idiot who was still playing when everyone all fall apart yeah and so like all those things i look back on were also like aspects that like really grew into like when I go back on, you know, earlier was saying, well, I didn't grow up playing in my bedroom by myself where I grew, I grew up playing on stage in front of people. Same. Like that's what happened. Yeah. And I look at like so many of the musicians that I do stuff with now or so many musicians who are just out there in general, they all come from like in super similar backgrounds. Because where else are you going to be able to play like that? Like where else are you going to be able to play right. with a band? Yeah that loves the idea of music that wants to spend the time to do it or i'm not i'm sorry not to spend the time but to like give whatever time (laughs) left they have to something like there's nowhere else where they're like let's get together and be a band and play these songs there's nowhere else where that happened but it happens all the time at church Mm -hmm. and that's what drew me to that. The very first time I ever played with a band. Second time. <laughs> the second, the first time I ever played with a band was with the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. What? I don't know if I told you that. Yeah. It was with the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band in Utah at wow. a, a balloon festival. I did like three years in a, a row. balloon festival. Um, before you try to throw shade. <laughs> This thing was lit. It was out of control, like giant stages, like Coachella-sized stages at these balloon festivals, which to me didn't really make sense because it wasn't that packed. Yeah. Like not (laughs) enough for that. Why is the stage so big? It was like literally I was running around the entire stage and I was like, this doesn't need to be this big. (laughs) But I'm going to use it. But I will use every last inch of this. Weird. Yes, I will. Never would have guessed that. (laughs) But my second time playing with a full band was at church. That was like the the second time I got to experience like, okay, like this is what it means to play with a band and how important it is for me to make sure that I listen to the drummer and his tempo that I'm not creating my own. Like all that stuff like matters so much. And to be able to hear like this is how it sounded originally but this is how we're going to play it like yeah. s- that that kind of uh, ability to adapt yeah. that was so wild but i don't think that there is a lot of arenas that allow for that now unless you're like making your own band in your garage yeah but even that like but you're not in front what's of it people. take for you to like you know like so that's the other thing too like before i ever played in a band outside of like the church you know, I, you know, so like I had played on stages with thousands of people there to hear it. 
before I ever played in like a traditional band by the synth. Yep. And it's one of those things where, you know, when it came time and I was doing music with people in an actual band, like they had never experienced that. Like they didn't know what it was like to, to be up on stage in front of 5,000 people, yeah. you know? And honestly, a lot of the bands that I went to go on to go play with never would see 5,000 people. It's true. I mean, that's the other part is it's like, yeah. it's a, it's an interesting, it's a definitely an interesting dynamic and world. But you know, the other thing is it, the thing I love most about it is in that setting, the thing I learned is you really learn the power of where you lie in your your instrument and you learn the power that you have to move people and you learn like what it means because in that world that's everything that's the only reason why you're doing what you're doing yes it's you're not there to have a really cool song you're there to move people And so you learn, and it's a weird thing because, like, my perspective on it now is one that lends towards, like, there is a subtle manipulation that's involved. Oh, a hundred percent. I will agree with you. Yeah. A hundred percent. It makes us sound like crazy psychopaths, but it's about being able to feel something Mm -hmm. all together collectively. I think that matters more than really your song, period. Right. And I... and and I, you know the reason why I say manipulation too is in the sense that you know when you're in a and you're in a room full of two thousand people, and you know I know that this song is going to have a moment that's going to go really big and then it's going to drastically die, and then I'm going to do a quarter note kick drum build, and we're going to do this crazy build, and I know from past experience and all the things involved, I know what this is going to stir up in 2000 people who are watching, who are there with the intention to be like satisfied in that way to who are there to feel something. And which is why I say like, again, I use the word manipulation lightly in the sense that like, yes, especially as a drummer, I will say this too. I did learn in my role there that like there might be a band leader but at the end of the day the drummer is the one that was 100 percent because if i started if i felt so led in that moment to say we're gonna build this thing back up yep i so i and i just i just go and you did what are you gonna do you're gonna leave me by myself (laughs) you did oh i remember so many times when we would play at grace and there would be times where I'd be like, okay, this song's done. And then I would hear you just nope. be like, nope, yeah. we're going back in. And we yeah. go into another build. And I was like, okay, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And it was, but to me, that was like the magic was yeah. like stuff like that. But that's why I firmly yeah. believe that the drummer really is the foundation in music. Yeah. Like, well, you know, my, I think ultimately it was one of those things where my, like, the area I wrestled with in that, in the church at least, was like I learned the power that is involved, like the power music has to dynamically fluctuate a room and to change the um, yeah, what's happening and stirring in people. Yeah, I learned that, 
which is a skill set to have for sure. Yeah. But uh, it was definitely something in the church, at least though, I wrestled with because the problem is that once you know you have that power is to dissect or to um, figure out when when is this me just deciding I'm going to take over? And when is this something that I feel like I'm doing out of a reaction from a moment that I feel like we should be doing? Heavy. Or, or when is it a thing that like, I just want to do this because it's going to be great. And not to say that in those moments it wasn't great and not to say that people didn't feel those things and they didn't, but the difference, at least in terms of church and in terms of like the dynamic of the church world, if you subscribe or understand or feel those things and the difference between saying like, Oh, I was led by the spirit to do this. Therefore I did it versus I was led by my ego to drive this thing. And the reality that even when it was led by my ego, it still did things. Yeah. But it was just constant wrestling of being like, what are we really doing here? Yeah. Uh, Because it does feel like sometimes it's like we can manipulate the room um, and that thing that I wrestled with there though, was a byproduct of what I had just learned in sense of like the power of music has over the soul, over people, over all those things. And so when it came later on to building music outside of there is that doesn't change. No. Like the power the music has over the soul doesn't change, change whether or not you believe in a God or you or don't. Not. Like it still moves here. It is. It's just across one of those languages, across yeah. religions. It literally yeah. can move you regardless of what yeah. differences you might have. Well, and like just thinking about like instantly I think of you know, let's anytime you think of like, oh, there's that like clip that someone shared on Facebook and it's this like tearjerker thing. Like the reality is that the clip and the words are not the cheerjerker. The, the clip and the words that are met by the music are the thing that make you get there. The reason why Unsolved Mysteries scares the shit out of me is music. because of the music. Well, music is all of it and all of that stuff. If there's no music, you wouldn't feel shit. It's true. If, and I, it's like such a heavy, it's a heavy thing to carry. I think that like, um, I, I'm not that much of a churchgoer now. But my approach to the music is very similar in the sense that, like, I look at it as I am a vessel producing something. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I think that um, I don't want to get in the way of that thing because I think that the time and effort that it took to create that thing is what counts. And that will carry through regardless. And so, like, I think sometimes musicians can get in the way of like that feeling because they're trying too hard to manipulate something out of it. But if you just let the music be what it is or what it was intended to be, that it doesn't, um, doesn't really matter what you do at the end, but that is a really tough thing in like the church scene. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. And that's kind of been, I feel like the, overall consensus i've kind of gathered from all the people i've that i'm still in contact with who all and some many of which still 
do stuff in there. Yep. Honestly, I would still like, I mean, I've every now and then it has come up where it just hasn't worked out, but like, I appreciate it. And it's, right. um, and I appreciate it because like at the end of the day, a lot of the approach or the end, the end desire for why the music's being is created is up the alley of why I like music to begin with. Music's always been an emotional thing for me. Yeah. Like music, I've always chased after music that makes me feel something. If music yeah. doesn't make me feel something, what's the point? What's the point? Granted, there's lots of music that make me think about things too, but the thought also makes me feel something. Yes. And there's something that that stirs it in. And if I can find music that does both, that's like let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that's just always been the way I've drawn myself into music. Yeah. And again, I mean, there's again, I mean, I could draw these these things that all tie in. Like going back to like it's those are probably things are like why I didn't spend countless hours playing an instrument because learning skills didn't do something on the kind of EQ side of it. Yeah. Like it just it just didn't fulfill me in feeling. Yep. Like doing those like that like that doesn't make me feel something. Like yeah. it might make me appreciate or it might make me understand whatever, but it didn't make me feel. And that's all I've ever fucking cared about when it comes to music is I want to feel something. And <sighs> if you don't make me feel something, then I'm not, I'm not really interested. I can't tell you how many times when we were traveling as a choir, singing in different languages, going to different countries. Like we went, um, when we were in Russia, particularly we were in Russia and we were singing this, French song. And I know that like languages kind of correlate sometimes. Mm. Um, but for some reason I didn't, I didn't feel like that was the case here, but the message was still, it, it was still able to like cross those barriers. And I think that that's, I think it's the feeling that changes it. You might not know exactly where a song comes from, why it came about, and you don't have to. Mm-hmm. The point is, is does it make you feel something, and does that line up? I I think that that's that's what separates a good song from a great song. Yeah, is that difference? The ability to be able to make somebody feel it's like a it's like a heavy thing to carry, but and it, and it's something that you should carry with responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's such a gift to be able to like embark that with embark that like on a on a out of people yeah there's nothing more beautiful and i think that that's why music is so why we're mourning so much of it because we're missing feeling something collectively at the same moment right. all together yeah absolutely you know and, and that's something we we kind of talked about this uh you know last night when we were at coomber uh um, coomber <laughs> and we were we were talking about um uh the ability to even when it comes down to just someone with just a good like just me and a guitar mm-hmm. and um the dynamic di- difference there is between people who do that well and people who don't there's lots of people who play in a band who lead a band who can sing great yeah. and who can play guitar but when it comes time to doing it with just them and their guitar in front of a, a, a group of people, they can play and that's fine. 
And then there's people who captivate and they draw you in yeah. and they they do it because there's a thing that happens where they become one with what they're doing vocally and what they're playing and they're this push and pull and give and take and this thing that's leaning in and 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 out and kind of ebb and flows and it draws the listener in uh in the way that they can go you know um dynamically really high and then suddenly swoop it to to kind of like suck the feet out from under it yeah and then and there's people who just do that naturally and get it and um who do it well i think you're one of those people that do it really well um and uh you know we were talking about like people like like tyler childers yes who just has that like and it's a combination of like where he where he puts his singing voice yeah like where he sings from yeah it has a natural tendency to have that um also and then but he just has a thing also in the way that he plays. Like when you see him, he's one of those guys where I've gone down and I've watched hours, hours YouTube of videos. Yeah. Like there's no way that there's a single video of him <laughs> playing that I have not seen. He's so good. And it's just because, and he just has that thing that just is like, even on a screen, yep. I can watch it and I can, and I, like, I can watch it. I still feel it. I think it's, I think it's, I'm like careful to say this because I feel like I feel like it can be faked sometimes and you can still get the same result. But sure. I, I feel like sometimes authenticity is like what separates like what what really can break through the screen mm -hmm. and break through a performance. Right. And I think that that's why like when I when we were at Coomber last night, and we were talking about this. I think the thing that really makes people great is their believability. Mm -hmm. If they believe what they're saying and what they're singing. And to me, what you say and what you sing doesn't mean shit to me if I don't think it's coming from a real place. Right. But if you're talking to me about something and it feels real and I could see that it's authentically something that you've experienced, it floods me. Yeah. It completely drowns me in that emotion and I become I'm overcome by that right. and I think that that's that's what I feel when I listen to Tyler is that he he sweeps over me this insane blanket of emotion that I don't want to leave right. like it's it's to me that's spiritual yeah yeah it, and it is it's a um that you nailed it like that's the thing i always talk about is the believability yeah. is that like when you're seeing something like when i'm the things that draw me into people is like i want to believe when you're singing about x y and z i want to believe it here's the, the caveat whether or not you believe it i don't fucking care <laughs> like if you're but like your role as an artist and like doing what you're doing is to deliver it in a in a yes. way that makes me believe. That's what matters. That's what matters. Yes. I'm okay with if I go back later on and I maybe learn that you didn't give a shit about it. Whatever the case may be. Yeah. I don't really care. The fact of the matter is is that in that moment you're able to project and convey in a way that makes it believable. Yep. Makes it believable. 
It doesn't have to be true, but it but you do it in a way that makes it believable. <sighs> and that's the thing. And like this, I mean, cheesy and corny as it might be, but like going back to you know Megan and I watching The Voice and stuff like that. That's one of the things that comes up more often than not. It's sometimes we'll be sitting there and like some singer will come out and you know they're all their chairs are all turned so they can't see them and and they might look the part and all that stuff and they start singing and their voice might actually sound really good yeah and visually looking at them they're you're like oh my god they're like kind of full full packet all this stuff and and what'll happen is no one will turn around yeah and sometimes we'll be like what the fuck and then without fail, though, every time that happens, what happens is they'll turn around and and their comment will have something to do about like there was something vocally that I just didn't connect or it wasn't believable or like and not maybe not seeing it in that sense, but it, it has that overall like as a musician, that is the most crushing thing to hear. Yeah. As a singer songwriter. The most crushing thing to me. Yeah. I don't give a shit if I'm flat, if I'm off tempo when somebody walks up to me and they're like, I don't really think that you really mean right. what you're singing. And I might not, but the fact that they don't believe me, I'm like. Right. And this goes back to, again, going back, circling back to like the difference between skill yes. and all those things is it's like you could sing a song that is by definition, perfect. And the difference between someone who might sing it completely imperfect and, but them have it like those intricacies and the things that are imperfect might make it more believable every time. And those are the things that like when in records I hear where it's just raw and it's not, it's not this thing that's perfect because the reality is that most things that are authentic are not perfect. They're yeah. going to have like these weird things that kind Little of stand flaws. out or whatever, but the flaws are the thing that make them like what they are. They're the flaws that like the flaws are what build them character. And that's no different than us as people. Like, yep. like if we were all just perfect fucking people, we'd be bored as shit. Hell yes. Yes. Like, Truth. I mean, that's just like straight up. Like, we're not attracted to perfect people. No. Like when you're attracted to your significant other, it's not because they were a perfect person. The flaws and Like all. more often than not, like the flaws are the thing that gave them character and the flaws are the things that, like you might not be attracted to the flaw, but the flaws that... Create the person. Create, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's like, um, that gave me a brand new light into like music because as I spent most of my life being a vocalist, Seeking perfection was always what I wanted. And I spent 13 years studying a technique to yeah. perfect yeah. my voice <laughs> only to find out yeah. that, yes, it's important to develop technique. I'm not taking that away. Singers that are singing correctly, like, check your shit. Like, it's really important to know good technique to protect you. But in developing your sound... Yeah you have to still stay true to that sound that you have. And after spending so much time like working on that, it took so much time for me to be like, well, I need to like pump the brakes on this. It's not all about like 
always having the perfect placement because Mm -hmm. that stifens the emotion. Mm -hmm. And in so many different artists, just today I was listening, I was on one of those like YouTube videos where I just went down a rabbit hole and it was like uh, showcasing the best and worst performances of like people that I respect as vocalists. Mm -hmm. Um, Jessie J being like one of my most favorites. Like I love her so much. It's ridiculous. Um, shout out to Jesse when you hear this. Call me, slide in my DMs. <laughs> Same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they like took like one of her bad um, performances and I was like, that wasn't bad. You're like, that's like, bad. That's, if that's what you call bad, yeah. then you're dumb. Like yeah. you're straight dumb. <laughs> like that's, you are dumb. Yeah. Like for real. For real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It was ridiculous, but because to me, like, emotion is going to get in the way of things because emotion is not supposed to be perfect. It's supposed to be messy. It's supposed to be, um, it's not supposed to fit in the right space. And that's what makes it beautiful. Um, that's why I respect people like her. Brandy Carla is a perfect example mm-hmm. of that. Her voice beautifully and majestically breaks on her songs. And I, I worship Arts. the breaking point's always the oh, best it's like God. yeah that's so well it's funny is that so i was thinking about it too like we've talked about a lot has come up and we've talked about like country yeah and but you have like as someone who's a vocal like person who has vocal training who like cares about like the dynamics and basics of like this is what vocal you know would be you've don't shake your head at me because <laughs> you <laughs> but like talking about how like you have issues with country music because of the way it lends vocally sometimes sometimes but in saying that it it um because of the way you can slide in and slide out of notes so you're not having to be um technically you don't have to be as on i would say this to be clear. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Uh-huh. Sometimes, okay. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes people will do it stylistically. And there is a huge difference between sure. the people that choose to do it stylistically. And then there are sometimes where people will do it because they know that it covers their mistake. Sure. There is a huge difference between the two. And it, I feel like people that study voice are the people that can like understand the difference between the both yeah and i think that a lot of times people will choose and this makes me sad because i feel like in the last few months i've really discovered country music in a totally different way and i deserve some uh put some respect on my name for that yeah it's been a long time coming on that <laughs> i've been working so hard at that like three years yeah like at least it's i would been say so <laughs> rough trying to get you here poor thing (laughs) i'm so happy that you're here though i'm happy to be here though because i didn't think i didn't know that um there was such a variety in country music it's really opened my eyes in such i never thought i would ever say this it's really opened my eyes in such a different way um i'm still picky as hell when it comes to like certain things 
but I can find I've always felt like I could find an appreciation for music regardless if it's like my taste or not in country music especially though I feel like in the last few months I've done a lot more digging you've obviously assisted in that um to be able to find like people that are like really fucking fantastic and so talented so it's changed my mind a lot yeah in that respect Congratulations to you. <laughs> yeah, that was a. Uh, I knew we'd get there. I knew you, we'd get there. You better release this video footage because he is smiling way too hard right now. <laughs> uh, well, you know, so it's like it kind of circles back to, you know, even talking about the whole, um, you know, thing about like talent. When I talked about like even playing like as a drummer, like, you know, there's so many things that I do that cover the gap on where like talent might stop, where like talent, I might not have the ability per se to do this thing that should be done that way, but I've found a way to mask it through something else. And that's the way that I look at, like when you talk about like the vocal stuff, Granted, this is also like your perspective on how you view vocals is probably the same perspective that really talented, well-versed and studied drummers probably might look at when they might see me playing on a gig Truth. or they might or even hearing me talk about it in that or way. Other vocalists might see me singing like I think that I'm I think that there's. like I feel like I am a true Bitch, bitch, but I'm <laughs> sure. Hashtag pitch, bitch. Oh wow. Okay, that's. <laughs> but that's, I a, think... that's gonna be the uh, title of this podcast, pitch, bitch. <laughs> but I think that I'm sure that there are other people that are like that. Hollander, she's not always on, and I and I know that I'm not. There have been plenty of times. Um, I was thinking about just today. I uh, I played Halloween and I played. I put a spell on you. But I did like the um, the uh, I think it's the Monavision, I think. Hmm. I think I did that. Um, and so it was totally. It's like more of a jazzy feel, and I let my voice break on a lot of it. And I was like, "There are gonna be people that are gonna think that this is like such a mess." But in my head, I was like, this is stylistically chosen. Mm. So it's so different. So I think that like a lot of times the 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 flaws are like in the eye of the beholder, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I see where you're, you're coming from, where if it's just like people are just are, are doing, they're like, uh, well, I'm not a very good singer, so I'm going to go sing this lazy. thing that feels. Which, again, going back to that, that's where I fall into, too. I could, cause I could go put in, I could go put in hours and hours of work if I. That's really what I cared to do. But you also know your craft, ins yeah, and outs. No, I mean I do. I know how you to do. do. I know how to execute what I want to do. There are certain singers time. that don't want to do the work to strengthen their vocal cords, and then they'll just be like, "Oh, instead of doing what I'm supposed to do here, I'll just half-ass it." I don't have respect for that. Yeah. I guess the way, like for me, with with some of that, I view it as, um, again, like big picture, with some of those things of just being like, it wasn't about the vocal part. Yeah, it was about the whole piece. It was about yeah. 
the lyrics. It was about all these other things. You know, someone, you know, when I look at um, things like Nikki Lane. Yeah. Like, Nikki Lane vocally is not the strongest singer. And, but I appreciate, like, her records. And I appreciate her life. And even when she is not singing, when I know that, how many people I know off the top of my head who can outsing her, you know, seven nights a week. She's strong in her lane, though. But she she is executing in her lane of far as far as like she knows where she resides and she yeah. resides in the space that where people aren't as concerned about that. They're more concerned about like the final product of like the whole band and the image and the everything that comes along with that. Yeah. So there's definitely. But I still think there's like a distinct. At least for me. Yeah. I feel like there's a distinct difference. Between somebody who's like, I'm staying in my lane here. Right. And somebody who's like, I'm too lazy to put the work in. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to use this as an excuse. Yeah. And I only say that because as a vocalist, I've come across other vocalists that are like, mm, I don't want to do this for so long. I'm so I'm just going to do this. People under the bus. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to drink a little bit more of this for me to get to that point. I don't want to do it. I don't want to, uh, but I know that there are, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've worked with, there were times where I've played with a lot of people like that yeah. and it's, it's, and that's, and that's okay if that's like, if that's your ceiling, like that's okay if that's your ceiling. But I think that, um, it, there's a difference between like being so strong in your strengths and being too lazy to like, yeah, do the work. Respect. I would say that that's a difference. Respect. And unfortunately, I think that people, it makes me sad that I think that people look to country music as a way of escaping that. But I think that country music deserves more than that. Mm. It does. It does. And well, and there's obviously there's tons of people that are doing it. That are, yes, that are doing that it. That have done justice. Yeah. Yes. Totally true. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what's next? Woo! Um. So next, um, my plan is to possibly release in the next few months, uh, EP. <laughs> You're staring at me like. <laughs> <laughs> That's like my hope. Um, I've got a few songs. I I just I can't wait anymore. Like, yeah, the shutdown's been enough. I need to get back to work. So, I'd like to do that. I'd also, in the process of releasing those songs, I would also like to work on um, a full-length record. I think that, I mean, we've sat down and talked um, about putting together like a true Americana record, mm -hmm. which is really what my mind and heart is set on. Um, I think we have plenty of material to choose from. Um, and I want to branch out a little bit and try some some new stuff so i really want to do that looking forward to that yeah hell yeah let's go all right why don't you say we wrap it up yeah we do have cheers cheers